Mueller and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Three o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory for the next three hours here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. He's Chris Carter. I'm Wesley Euler. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. You should know the drill by now, knuckleheads. But if you don't, over the next three hours, if you want to chime in, you can find us on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at Carter Critiques. What's happening, cousin? What's up, Wes? How you doing, my man? I'm fantastic. Nice little Tuesday here in Western Pennsylvania. Chris, all of a sudden, you know, I woke up this morning. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Um, took my dog for a walk, had a little breakfast, you mm-hmm. know. Nice little partly cloudy morning. Looked at my phone and I did like I did a little jump back. You know, I was a little gas there for a second. My face will do that to you. <laughs> when I saw September 1st, 2020. What? what? Like, dude, I could swear we were still in April. Like, what happened? <laughs> no, I'm like, still in the same I don't know when is what. Like, like, I don't like, know anything. Like, what happened? Like, wait, wait, hold on. I could have sworn last week was April. Like, I, what I was, happened here? I was trying to explain to someone. I was like, yeah, at one point, Pennsylvania opened things up. That was back in April. And my girlfriend was like, Chris, that was June. I was like, oh, <laughs> they're all the same months. <laughs> they, they really are. But it is September. And this morning when I was outside with the puppers, it felt like football weather. Even more so, Chris, when I came home today and I saw that, <laughs> and you know, this made me happy, and I know you as the new pit beat writer for DK Pittsburgh Sports, this made you happy. Sure. We have start times for college football week one and week two. Oh, yeah, baby. Kickoff time. So, this is a Steelers show. This is an NFL show. Uh-huh. I'm sure most of our fans probably know this because we've got obviously a lot of Pitt, a lot of Penn State, we got some WVU fans. We've got fans from all over the place that listen to us, Chris. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, some people, most people, I'm sure know this, but for those who don't, right? When the NFL schedule comes out, you get your times, your dates, everything. Now it's true, it's possible some of those could be flexed, mm-hmm. but that's a small percentage of time. When the Steelers' schedule comes out in July, like it normally does, June or July, whenever it does during the summertime when it comes out, yeah. you know when kickoff is going to be, even for the games that are in December. In college football, it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. When your schedule comes out, when you get your 12 games at the beginning of the year, there might be one or two that you know for sure the kickoff time. Right. But that's usually about it. Other than that, it works on like a two-week window. Well, Chris, today is September 1st. We are into September. With that, today, we got our first two weeks of kickoff time for college football. We're now staring down nine days away kickoff in Kansas City between the Chiefs and the Texans. Today, for the first time, Chris, mm-hmm. I've been doing a lot of um, convincing myself, and I've been doing a lot of glass half full, and I've been doing a lot of fingers crossed and talking optimistically while secretly, maybe in the back of my mind, hoping that the pessimism isn't real. Mm-hmm. Today, on September 1st, nine days away from the NFL season starting in Kansas City, um, 12 days away from college football kicking off, and again, with real tangible times now. Or sorry, less than that. No, we're, what? Yeah, nine, no, eight days away from college football Mm -hmm. kicking off now. Or wait, I think I was right the first time. 
West Virginia no. University. I know it's not. It's still like eleven days. I was I was I was closer the first time. But regardless, you get what I'm saying. I am really, truly, very optimistic uh, about college football, about the NFL, about these next couple weeks, and that it's not going to look normal. It's not going to necessarily feel normal. But pretty soon here, we are going to have real football. Absolutely. We're going to see you know teams actually playing against each other. You know, there was some high school football on TV, yeah. some FCS football. But everyone knows it's kind of like, you know, eh, you know. It's an appetizer. Right. It's, an app- it's, it's, you know, it's not the main course. Um, and even with the NFL, when you see two major Division I programs having it out, that's when you're like, ah. The good days are back. Right, because usually college football starts like a week before the NFL. Right. And you get that Thursday night game between mm-hmm. like Texas A&M and yeah. Arkansas or right. something that gets you fired up for the yeah. start of football. Right, because there's, there's still those teams like, you know, Pitt used to play like Delaware. Even this year, like Pitt, Pitt's playing Austin P. Right. But there's, there's still going to be those games where you're like, oh, okay. They were on TV over the weekend, Austin P, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, they lost to Central Arkansas 17-24. Were, were you doing a little self, self-scouting Oh, there, absolutely, absolutely. What you talking about? They actually got a running back that transferred from Ohio State. Oh. Oh, okay. Was well, he te- the one who busted the the seventy five? No, that was run? a freshman. The, okay. uh, but technically, actually, he transferred from Iowa Western. It was fr- he trusted from Ohio State to Iowa Western. Gotcha. Then, then to Austin up, back P. up to Austin P. Right. But but either way, point being, uh, Austin P. Lost to Central Arkansas. So that was no, uh, uh, you know that that was what we saw there. Mm-hmm. Narduzzi actually had some interesting comments about that this morning, and he was just saying, you know, they're fa- they're fast, they're athletic. They have their offensive coordinator comes from Mississippi State, hmm. so he brought some Mississippi State transfers with them. But he said they're already working on it. You know, they're already like they run the triple option offense, so they're already working against that in practice. So Pitt's not taking them lightly, even though they're an FCS squad that you know t- you, everyone expects Pitt should beat that team. Right. But still, just even just, you hear me talking football, man. I know that's what I mean, and we're not talking football like. Oh, they're going to be able to have training camp. Oh, what's the NFL draft going to look like? Right. Uh, like, like No, it's, it's, it's matchup time. Yes, and X's and O's time. And not that, uh, listen, not that you and I and, and, you know, Arthur Motes and I don't on this show, we don't shy away from some of that other stuff, right? Like, at the height of, of the pandemic conversation, that's something that we weren't necessarily, like, we didn't shy away from talking about that. Uh, in light of a lot of the things that have happened in this country over the last few weeks, the last few months, in terms of social justice and equality, like we don't shy away from talking about that. But also, Chris, we all got into sports too because we like to talk the matchups. We like the banter of 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 Arthur Motes sitting mm-hmm. and I sitting here and yelling at each other that he thinks Josh Allen's better and I think Sam Darnold's better and he thinks Michael Thomas is better and I think Julio Jones is better. Right? We're we're getting back into some of that um like you said, that matchup conversation, that X's and O's talk. It's September first. It, it it feels like we are we are really getting close. Um, and you know what? Maybe even more so with something like this, this news that just broke within the last 15, 20 minutes here right before we went on air. Yeah, seriously. Joe Mixon getting uh, that contract extension from the Cincinnati Bengals. Four-year deal uh, for Joe Mixon to keep him in Cincinnati. Wow, Chris, I'm shocked. They, uh, a holdout worked. Yeah, right? A hold how about out, that? A hold, and a holdout from a running back. How about that? Like, we, you know, and, and it's, how about that? Uh, you know, but, <laughs> no, but, but seriously, it's the uh, – you, you look at the Steelers, I mean, they kind of – you thought that with the way they stood up to Le'Veon Bell, who at the time could be argued was the best running back in football, and they were not – we're not breaking our policy for you or anybody on holdouts. And then the NFL has seen the way that, you know, Le'Veon Bell went 
you know, he went to the Jets and, you know, the Steelers have moved on and Le'Veon Bell seems really frustrated with the Jets and it really seems like the Steelers got the better of that situation. Mm-hmm. You'd think that, you know, more NFL teams that if you're not Ezekiel Elliott or Saquon Barkley or Christian McCaffrey, yeah. uh, I, I wouldn't be, you know, pressing myself to keep you around, especially in a team like the Bengals where they're not expected to do much this year. It'd be different if they were if they had Tom Brady in his final years or if they had Ben Roethlisberger in his final years and they had a, a loaded like they, roster. They see their windows the next year or two. Right, but with Joe Mixon, it's like, okay, you just extend. I mean, maybe they're thinking Joe Mixon will make Joe Burrow's early days easier with a stronger run game. I don't know, but... You know, it's certainly a hmm. peculiar move. I would think that that's part of it. Yeah. I mean, if you look over the last decade at a lot of the young quarterbacks that have come into the NFL and had success right away, even the high pedigree guys or some of the the third, fourth round picks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they've, I mean, they they have had good running games to lean on. Uh, it was big for Russell Wilson, right, when he first got to Seattle and had that success. It was big for Dak Prescott in Dallas. It was big for Carson Wentz in Philadelphia. Uh, I mean, look at Jared Goff and Todd Gurley in the yeah. backfield, right? So it doesn't matter if you're the first overall pick or if you were a fourth-round pick mm-hmm. like Dak. I do think for a young quarterback, having a reliable run game, a a bell cow even, not necessarily like by committee, right, a, a, a bell cow type run game, man, I think that can go a long way. I'm sure that's part of it. And they have... I would imagine uh, I'm not a, I'm not a capologist, but I would imagine they've got some dollars to work with here in the short term. While they still do have the the young quarterback on the rookie deal, and it's not like they have a ton of guys break in the bank on the defensive side of the football or the offensive side of the football, even along with AJ Green, four year, forty eight million dollar deal for Joe Mixon. Uh, I'll be interested to see when the official terms are laid out. How much of that is guaranteed, guaranteed. in the front, right? Yep. So if it gets to be two or three years from now. Mm-hmm. And they have to pay, you know, it becomes everything works out with Joe Burrow and they have to pay Joe Burrow and maybe T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd, whatever's going on there, right, on their offensive line. They've got, because now, let's face it, they got a lot of rookies and a lot of uh, C-plus players on that offensive line. Mm. Um, if they have to, if they invest more in their offensive line over the next two or three years, it'll be interesting to see how that looks like from a, a structure standpoint. But right now, I don't hate it for the Bengals. Is he the best running back in the division? Joe Mixon? Is it Nick Chubb? No, it's is it Mark Ingram? I, I, I take I take Nick Chubb over over Joe Mixon. No yeah. offense to Joe Mixon. I think he's a heck of a talent, but I, I, I see Nick Chubb as the more complete running back there. Just I like the way that he cuts, the way he sees the field, the way he runs with with with, with power. Um Mick Mixon I think has potential. But I think part of it is I haven't seen enough from him, and part of that might just be because he's with the Bengals. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but he was I, quietly productive last season. He was. And, he didn't and, score a ton of touchdowns, but other than that, he kind of checked all the successful season boxes. Right, and, and that's the thing is that you know you see the, you see those things and you're like, okay, that's cool. But you know, also you know everything about the Bengals was bad. It's so right. hard to tell. It's hard to evaluate how, guys in that position. You're how right. good a player is when the team is just that. Bad. I mean, right, and especially a skill position player like that. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. where for him, so much of his performance can be affected by his teammates, by his peers. Right? I mean, exactly. you know how it doesn't matter how great of a running back you I mean, are if your offensive line is getting blown off the ball every mm-hmm. single play. You're going to struggle. Now, again, like I said, he still had over a thousand yards rushing last year. Had a mm-hmm. productive yard. Uh, had a productive year. Pardon me, catching the ball out of the backfield as well. Mm-hmm. I think, especially when you consider a lot of those factors on offense. Yep. But it'll be interesting to see because, um, I mean, you and I both know shelf life for running backs. 
uh, he could be great the next two years. Mm-hmm. It could not really help the Bengals. Mm-hmm. And then year three and year four, the Bengals could be ready to take off, and maybe right. he has he's passed his his peak at that point. Mm-hmm. It, it'll be an interesting to see how that contract plays it plays two three years from now. It will be. And just to further my my points, I just did a quick stat Ooh. search after I after I said Nick Chubb was better. Just to confirm it. Nick Chubb's been in the league for two years, mixing for three. Uh, uh, Chubb. Averages uh, almost a full yard more per attempt. When you look at his game, he uh, he averages about okay. 11 more yards per game. He hmm. gets more touchdowns per game. Uh, the one thing that you can say Mixon has is a little bit of an edge in the receiving game, but that's negligible. Uh, and that's with Mixon averaging more carries per game. So uh, Chubb is more productive per nice. carry, and, and that's just but and that's just based off of not like, like when I made my observation, that was purely without stats. That was sure. just how I've studied both of them run the football. But hey, but you with, want the numbers to back up your eye test, right? right? And I was and I was like, <laughs> and, and if I and if they didn't back up my eye test, best believe I would have said I would have said nothing, nothing. <laughs> uh, and you know what, like. I think a lot of the things that we said about Mixon apply to Chubb, too. I would say he's certainly been on a more talented offense, but at the same time, his offensive line has not been great either. Uh, Christopher Carter, Wesley Euler with you here on the Steelers Blitz for the next two hours and 45 minutes or so. Keep those tweets rolling in. We will get to them throughout the show. When we come back here, I uh, had an interesting debate with a family member last night in regards to team success versus personal success at the National Football League level. I want to get Chris's take. I want to ask him uh, a question along those lines. So we'll do that on the other side. You are listening to Steelers Blitz on your 24-7, home of the black and gold, SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Steelers Blitz on SNR. Christopher Carter, Wesley Euler rocking with you here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Yes, sir. Are you... Is that it? Is that all you, you looked like you had something really poignant that you wanted to say there. No, I was just confirmed. Okay. I was backing okay. you up. Okay. Chris is with us all week, all right? He is uh, more than a good friend of the show. He's family of the show, so make sure you're following him on Twitter again, at Carter Critiques. Tweet us uh, over the next two and a half hours or so here. I got a question for you, all right? A little backstory first, though, Chris. Mm-hmm. All right? Um, my father and I... Uh, you know, like to like to have little sports discussions from time to time, and we got into a debate about team versus personal success. Um, and the question, the debate, kind of centered around: Would you rather have a career where you have team success, or would you rather have a career in in professional sports where you have personal success? And we kind of distilled it down to this right here. Okay. If you, Christopher Carter, yeah could play in the National Football League. Uh-huh. Or, I mean, you could kind of just change a few words here and make this any sport, really. But this is a Steelers show. Uh-huh. This is a football show. Mm-hmm. If you played in the NFL, would you rather, option A, be a Hall of Famer who won a MVP at some point during your career, a league MVP, uh-huh. or option B, win a Super Bowl? Now, like, am I a starter on the Super Bowl team? Like, do I still... 
to me, it, it, it doesn't that that by itself wouldn't be enough. I would need to know, like, did I take care of myself financially on both ends? Like, am I broke if I won a Super Bowl? Because if I'm a Hall of Famer, most likely I made a good bit yes, of money. Yes, if you made a Hall of Famer and you were a league MVP, I'm saying you made a good bit of money. But, but if you telling me that I was on the practice squad and I got a ring because I was on no, the... No, you weren't on the practice squad, Um, but you were a B, B-minus player on the team. A B, B-minus. I mean, that's like... That sounds like like a Lamar Woodley type of player, like you know, on a team, you know. Oh, Lamar Woodley was pretty, pretty, pretty. Well, in his prime, he was a. Yeah, I'm yeah. saying like like when you when you okay, rank him so among like the history try- of edge rushers with the Steelers, I think that would be a fair. Let's grade. think like who would be a good Kansas City Chief? Who would be a good example? Uh, hmm. That's a good question. Any one of their corner- Damian Williams. Any, any one of their cornerbacks. Yeah, da- Damian Williams, their running back. Yeah, he was a he had a great Super Bowl though. He did, but that's what I'm saying. But like, like if 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 the if the thing is is that I still get paid, like I'm still making good money with my career, and I'm a successful player, but not a Hall of Fame player, and I'm part of a Super Bowl or two. That's uh, tough, man. I feel like I, I feel like I'd want okay, that. I want to win. I want to win. Let me take this to the next level for you. Yeah. Option A, Hall of Fame career. Yes. You won a league wide MVP at yes. some point during your career. Uh huh. But on a crappy team. No, 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 no. Same same as before, right? Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. check. Your gold jacket guy, check. You won league MVP, either offensive or defensive, whatever position you're playing at some point, check. Mm-hmm. And you made $100 million in your career. Oh, baby. Or option B is Super Bowl champion, oh. check. Okay. And well, you made fifteen, twenty million dollars throughout your career. Oh, you kidding me? I'll take that hundred million dollars. <laughs> I am a greedy guy. I'm a greedy son of, son of a gun. I will take that. Are you kidding me? Like if you made that more like like sixty, seventy, I might think about it. But a hundred million dollars? You kidding me? I'm taking the money. I understand. You know what? It may be a great experience. It would it would be a great experience to win the Super Bowl or two. You know what? Like, like if you're saying, would I be rather be Larry Fitzgerald or Heinz Ward? Now that's tough. Oh. You you might have you that's a good you might have just nailed it with that. I, I think because like, if that's what you're talking about, because Heinz Ward beloved, super, like, he's a star, but no one would ever put him in a conversation with Larry Fitzgerald. That's among the greatest wide receivers of all time, mm. except Steelers fans. Well, we're I was going to say, don't say no one because this is Steelers Nation Radio. Right. Uh, that is ooh. Right. Would you rather be Larry Fitzgerald or Heinz Ward? Now the difference to me. Ooh. <laughs> Hines, to be fair, is a two-time, two-time. Two-time, and a Super Bowl MVP. And the MVP is the kicker. Yeah. And you know what I was just going to say? So would you rather be Larry Fitzgerald or would you rather be Santonio Holmes? Santonio Holmes is an MVP, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough, man. But, oh, it is tough. And now, I... Would you rather be Randall L? Because he, he, won, he won a Super Bowl with the Steelers. Maybe, so I think it's easy to say Fitzgerald in those things because here's the kicker for me. Yeah. To still be beloved, to be able when you're 40 years old, 50 years old, 60 years old, yeah. to go back to your stadium with your wife, with your kids, with your grandkids and one day, and everybody still loves you. You're yeah. still a legend. Yeah, That, to me, is really important. Now, granted, if you're the guy who was a, a B, B-minus player and you were a Super Bowl champion, you could still be that guy. But it's hard to really be that guy when right. you're. I mean, you got to be like 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 Brett Kiesel is that guy, right? But the you, Brett Kiesels are rare. Mm-hmm. You you would be the guy that when they honor the team or the great play, like when the Steelers bring out their Hall of Honor, you'd be one of the guys that waves to people on the field. Correct. But you would never be. 
you know, Franco Harris having a statue in the Pittsburgh yes. airport. Yes. You know, like like, <laughs> like that's that's the difference there. And and Franco's the guy that had it all. He retired with the second most rushing yards in the history of the NFL when he when mm-hmm. when he had it. And he won four Super Bowls. And he had the greatest play in the history of the NFL. You know, that's the that's the full package. Like if I had to pick, Franco Harris is among the players that I would pick if I had to right. be. I'd beat him. I mean, he's you're right. Um, Hall of Fame, Super Bowl championships, right. famous play, famous mm-hmm. moment. But if we're talking about like a Randy Moss, a Terrell maybe that's, Owens, maybe those are good examples yeah. because let's be honest. Maybe Randy Moss is is because I think he's beloved. I I, I know he's beloved in Minnesota. Maybe To's the one. Let me ask you this: What's more important to you if you were an athlete? Um, the legendary career or being a legend? <laughs> and what I mean by that maybe yeah, please is clarify. I'm I'm sitting here. To To you and I, I think both agree he's a Hall of Famer. I think most people would agree. Legendary career, right? Mm-hmm. But is To a legend anywhere? Like, could To right now walk in, get introduced at halftime at a stadium amongst the 32 NFL teams and have everybody go nuts and and love him? That's a good point. That's a good like question. Like that to me, I feel like would be really important to me if I was a professional athlete. No, I don't know. I, I can't wear those shoes. I mean, I can't say because I've never been in that situation. But I would say, To, I think in Philly, there's a lot of respect for To. There's 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 some dislike because he went to the Cowboys, but like people still respect him because like hey, he put on for that Super Bowl real quick. Um, he, I don't think he'd get that love and kind of kind of love in Dallas. They never had that success. I don't there. think so. San Francisco. San Francisco. I think it's too long. Yeah, and they're not just. I think I don't Philly know if it's would the be the right type best. of fan base out right. there in San Francisco either. Yeah, like I wouldn't like if I had to choose between To and Heinz Ward, I think I would pick Heinz Ward simply because Heinz had the success and he's beloved. Um, to had the success and like you said, like it's kind of like he doesn't have a home in the NFL. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, like that's just, that's, that's rough for me. But then, but at the same time, like, you know, if we're talking about, you know, be, if we're, if you're, if you're a real hall of famer, and I'm mean, there are like T.O.'s a real hall of famer. You did get in there, but if, but if you're a typical hall of famer, you played for a team for, mo- for at least one or two teams that would, that define the majority of your career. You had probably a decade or close to it, at least with one team. Right. Like, like Randy Moss. He's a Minnesota Viking. He's a Viking and yeah. a Patriot. Like you could throw those two together yeah. and, and forget the, the Raiders and, and whoever he played with. Titans, after. right? Yeah. He <laughs> played I mean, yeah, some sort, some sort stint there, you know, um, <laughs> Yo, but but he's remembered for those two for his times there, and that's where the respect is. And you know what? You can he can go to Minnesota. He gonna get up. I mean, Randy Moss can go anywhere, and he's gonna get love. That's, that's I think, true. I think that he's another that's factor. True. Like he didn't, except like Green Bay. You know, I think that'd be like hmm. one of the places that he wouldn't get love at. But if I had to, if I had to choose, if I was a if I was a super rich Hall of Famer, I would choose that over being or like just a, a rich Super Bowl champion. You, you, right? Because I mean, uh, the the idea that I can build more wealth for my family. That takes priority, and that's something that you know. When I was a kid, I would say, "Of course, I take the Super Bowl championship." What are you talking about? But now, like I'm older, I'm like, "Nah, yeah, that that's that support and that financial backing, yes. like that would that's huge." And 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 when you're the Hall of Famer, that you know, you get more opportunities like that. When you're a Super Bowl champion, you might you might get a couple more billboards in the city. You might get on sales mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But you know, when but you when might you're be the, on NFL films a little more, right? But but but, <laughs> no, but with with the Hall of Famer instead of the the that's Super Bowl true. guy. You're gonna you're gonna get on NFL films where you're gonna get those type of things and you're gonna be more nationally recognized. Okay, so then let me ask you this last one as it relates to this conversation. Okay, the money's equal in in both option A and option B. Okay, so money's equal. Okay, so money's out the door. Would you rather NFL Hall of Famer, regular season MVP, one Super Bowl, 
what with one with Super Bowl? Yeah, that's option A. Okay. Okay. And remember, money's at your hundred million dollar player okay. in both of these scenarios because you're Christopher Carter, baby. Yeah, I need to be paid. Hall of Fame gold jacket. Oh, dang. Regular season MVP. Oof. And you you climbed the summit. Mm. You won a Super Bowl. I won, I won one Super Bowl. You Brett Favre it. Or option B. Three Super Bowls. Same money. But no, but same, no same money, but no, no Hall of Fame, Fame, no regular season MVP. I still the quarterback. Yes. Well, you're 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 an I'll important you're an important Bowls. part of the team. Right. But I uh, I'll take if I'm a, if I'm a starter and I contributed to those Super Bowl wins, I I'll take the three Super Bowls and that's it. Cuz the money's out the equation, I will take those three Super Bowl wins cuz you know I'll walk around with those rings for the rest of my life. And and sure, even you, though you're still getting one in the other so you're still a Super Bowl champion in the other scenario. Yeah, but 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 like I don't know like something about the win, like the gold jacket would be important and it would be great for the Hall of Fame, but if I'm a three-time Super Bowl champion and I started in all three and I and I hang that around, it, it, like, cause that's an I argument. I think that would be pretty sweet. Cause, cause I, because also I'd walk around every year that I wasn't in the Hall of Fame. Like, what y'all doing? Right. You know, like, come on now. Because like, Al, Alvin Harper, get the man in the in this in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> they need to. Or is it Alvin Harper? I'm sorry, I'm mixing up my Cowboys. But you know yeah. what I'm talking about? The guy yeah. from the '70s. But point being, if I could have three Super Bowl rings and be a starter for all of them and contribute I mean, that to would them, be pretty sweet. I'll take that. Like, like Rocky Blyer, I'd take a Rocky Blyer career. That would be pretty sweet. And. Being a three-time champion, I mean, that puts you in rare air. Not many people are champions. Not many people are two-time champions. But you get to three yeah. in any sport, and that puts you in rare company. All-time all era. Yeah. That that puts you that puts you in rare company. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting. It's a three good question. Sur- three Super Bowl parade. I mean, not many people know what it's like to be in a Hall of Fame to be a Hall of Famer, but not many people know what it's like to you know to be able to have that Super Bowl celebration. The parades and all the pageantry and everything that comes with it. Mm-hmm. Whew. All right. So, which one are we sticking with? The first one that I laid out. The what, what was the what was the tougher scenario to ponder in your mind? The Hall of Famer MVP well, the, the versus a Super Bowl champion, mm-hmm. or Hall of Fame MVP a Super Bowl versus three Super Bowls? No, take out the Super Bowl for the Hall of Famer because when you throw in one one Super Bowl. When it's it still adds that like that caveat you you need to like you need to be Dan Marino like you know you know you right. need to have the have the have the superstar profile. So do you want to be Dan Marino or would I rather be Eli Manning? But see, I think Eli's, <laughs> going, Eli's going to the Hall though. I, I think that's he true. Is. I I would agree with you on that. Um, it's hard to be a multiple time Super Bowl winning quarterback and not go to the Hall of and, Fame. And when people ask that question about you know well you know what makes you a Hall of Famer, they say can they write the history books without you of the NFL? And I I think that in that yeah. in that two, late two thousands yeah. early twenty tens era, yeah. if, if if you left I, out the person who beat Tom Brady twice in the Super Bowl, yeah, and kept him from from See, an undefeated season, here's my counter to that though okay go ahead and you're right a lot of people do say that and i'll give you what i think the better line of logic is as it relates to hall of famers in a second remind me don't let me get away from that sure my counter to that would be in theory i think that sounds good and that certainly applies to eli manning without a doubt you can't tell the story of the nfl without the giants beating that 18-0 patriots team certainly not and and they did i mean they did it twice the giants beat the patriots twice in a short period Along that logic, though, I would argue you probably couldn't tell the story of the NFL without Nick Foles. I mean, uh, yes, but uh, like I, I don't know. Eli did the, it, but, but see, here's the difference: Foles did it in a in, not, in a non-historic year. 
Eli beat the 18 and 0 Patriots. Without Eli, that that Patriots team goes 19 and 0 and we have down, to eat that for the rest of our it's lives. It's the hands down unquestioned greatest NFL team of all time and because they went to 19 Eli, and 0 in the modern era. Never have to hear that. Yes, thank you Eli and thank you Plexico. Yes. We will agree on that for sure. Straight hand everyone who was part of that team. For sure. Like like that was JPP. Yeah, JP, I mean that whole OCU squad. Yeah. Uh, I think Justin Tuck was part of that team too. Yep. Like like, like was Jeremy whole, Shockey on those teams? Um, or was he gone by then? Might have. I don't think he was. I think I, I think I would have remembered that. Yeah, I think he was gone by then. Um, but but point being, you had all those guys there, and that when you do that, when you stop that freight train, you get Whew. remembered. You you get remembered for that. Foles gets remembered absolutely, you know, because he won the Super Bowl and he won it. You know, and, and, and it's Philly's own, you know, one and only right. Super Bowl. Right, and he outdoed Tom Brady for right. the for the first Super Bowl in franchise right. history. But, but Tom still got to six Super Bowls. Oh, 100%. And, and, and I just, that's what I meant in terms of yeah. that. You can't tell the story without. What I think is the better, the better kind of, I don't know, the splitting hairs line of logic, if you will. For me, Chris, where I've always come down is, if you have to ask, the answer's no. And I, I'm stricter with these things mm-hmm. than some people are. But if I was a Hall of Fame voter for any sport, if it was the NFL, if it was the NHL, if it was Major League Baseball, if it was the NBA, if it was whatever, golf, tennis, soccer, you name it. If you have to ask for me, the answer is no, right. because it's such an elite group, because we're going to continue to play these sports for a long time, you know, pandemics aside, for hundreds and hundreds of years, thousands of years, hopefully, our mm-hmm. our great-great-great-grandkids hopefully are still going to be watching NFL games and NHL games and NBA games one day. For me, if you have to ask, the answer is no. I know it's not as simple as that. I know it's not as cut and dry as that, but that would be my line of thinking if I were a Hall of Fame Hall of Fame voter. I got you. Okay, okay. That, go into the NBA. Would you rather be Charles Barkley oh. or Robert Ory? Or Draymond Green? Uh, who was who more important to their... All right, this is a football show, so we got to make this quick. Who was more important to their team's success, Robert Ory or Draymond Green? But he's Big Shot Bob. Uh, you're right. Without without Big Shot Bob, the, 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 the Lakers probably get smoked a few times. I mean, he, Okay, uh, the first Golden State title, Draymond Green. But after, after, after that, he kind of... Once Ory. Kevin Durant came, he was like, yeah. But, but, no, but, that's, that, that's, a, that's a perfect example. Yeah. Because, like, Charles Bar- I mean, he's like... Dan- Charles Barkley and Dan Marino are, like, the perfect examples. Yeah. MVPs, check. Without a doubt, first ballot Hall of Famers, check. Even made it to, like, Chuck made it to an NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. Marino made it to a Super Bowl. They just weren't able to win. Chuck was in Space Jam. Dan Marino was in uh, space, uh, Ace Detective Vase Ventura. <laughs> I mean, uh, if that's the calculations. Would you rather be Dan Marino or would you rather be Julian Edelman? Oh, Dan Marino. I, just because I can't stand Julian Edelman. <laughs> I can't stand that guy. <laughs> I, 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 that's a different story. No, 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 if, I, if, if I don't like a person, then I will refuse to be that person. <laughs> Would you rather be Julio Jones? Ooh. Or he's thinking. Hit the Jeopardy music, y'all. Heinz Ward. But again, who's a Heinz Ward without the MVP in the Super Bowl attached? Mm. That's who I'm looking Antoine for. Antoine Randall L. I was looking for somebody with multiple. Multiple. Like, because oh. Edelman has multiple. Mm, that's the, I mean, that's tough for the Steelers when you think about it because they have the most wide receivers who've been Super Bowl MVPs. Plaxico Burris? Well, he only has one himself. Mm-hmm. It's tough, man. And then I was thinking some of the Colts guys, like Harrison and Wayne, but those guys those have had Hall those of, Hall of Fame Hall type. Of they necessarily both might not get in, but Hall of Fame type careers. Like right. they'll be on the ballot, they'll be semifinalists right. and finalists. 
Hmm. That is a tough one, buddy. Hmm. Because I like where you were going with Charles Barkley and Dan Marino. What about, what about James Taylor from the Ooh. 80s Niners team? What about like a uh, like a Tory Holder and Isaac Bruce? Well, oh, well, those are also two. But you're right. But the, ah, man. Yeah, that's, that's so tough. The point is. The point is. We, you should respect the players out of the way. Point but, being. But the point being, I would, for me, was, you know, Wes looked at me, he pointed, he had an idea, and then it went away. This one's fallen short because he hasn't necessarily had the, I was going to say Julio Jones or Alshon Jeffrey, but that's that's a no-brainer. It's yeah, Julio no, Jones. Julio. It's a, it's, Alshon. It's a no-brainer. I forgot. Alshon, oh, he, no, Alshon did win the Super Bowl with the Eagles. He did. But I'm still taking Julio. He did. That's what I'm trying to think because it's so, t- you're, you're taking the Patriots receivers off the board for me because we hate them all. Yeah. Other than that, there's not a lot I of. I don't hate them all. Like if like <laughs> Troy Brown, I, I I'd be cool. I, Edelman just has a, a few things that ring to him. No, you know, I, his, I know exactly his comment me. about Ross Cockrell. Believe me, I know. Ex- I know exactly what you mean. Uh, yeah, no, it was. It's a good conversation. I, whew, I don't know. I want to know from the people out there on Twitter at Wesley Euler, at Carter Critiques. Would you rather have um, the Julio Jones? The Dan Marino, the Charles Barkley type career, or would you rather have maybe the Heinz Ward or the Julian Edelman or the Draymond Green type career? Yeah. I, That's what I'm interested to know on Twitter. Hit us up. Let us know. Chris Carter, Wesley Euler, we're rolling along here. Uh, it's Steelers Blitz on SNR on the other side. We've got some more audio to bring you. Uh, it's one of our favorite parts of training camp. I guess yesterday did officially kind of wrap training camp, right? Officially, because uh, today all the Steelers players, like I saw Cam Hayward tweet, like, "Oh, tenth training camp in the books," and I was like, "Oh, well, I guess that means we're officially done with training camp." But you know what? We've still got the access. We still got some great stuff to bring you. We will do that on the other side. He's Chris Carter. I'm Wesley Euler. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. Matt, uh, Bud Dupree's a guy that um, his first few years in the, in the league, uh, Steeler fans loved to hate Bud Dupree. Right. And they were a little rough on him. I mean, the, the label project was associated to him in the first round, and you can't exactly expect instant results. And I think he's turned the corner a little bit. I believe he has, yeah. and uh, certainly uh, is a very big part of what the Steelers want to do this year. Uh Defensively, I think he he and T.J. Watt are kind of Cam Hayward's the heart and soul of that defense. Sure, I think those two are the engine though that makes it kind of go. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I mean, also high energy people. We talked about you know uh, they can Jerry just do o. so much. They can do so much. Yeah. And his high moments are real wow factors. I mean, he blows some people up. Yeah. So our Steelers training camp media availabilities are presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The Ford F one hundred and fifty is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Bud Dupree, as we mentioned, uh, talked to the media earlier today. Here's what he had to say. 2018 season, before last year, you went back and and looked at the amount of sacks you you could have or should have had, and you would have had double-digit sacks. You had double-digit sacks this past season. Did you go back and look at some more and figure out how many you could have had and what do you expect this year? Yeah, definitely. You know, anytime as a pass rush, you always go back and look at the sacks that you uh, could have had that you missed, you know, that was in your hand. You know, uh, you try to correct those mistakes. You know, finishing is a part of it. So, you know, you got to make sure that that's the number one priority, you know, as a pass rush to make sure you finish at the end. You know, you're going to have a situation where it might not be the ideal uh, position for a sack, but you got to keep it going and just, you know, make that play. 
All right, Joe Rudder. Joe, go ahead. Hi, bud. Did um, you guys ever get close or do any negotiations on a long-term deal before uh, the deadline passed? And uh, you know, what are your thoughts playing on the franchise tag this year? Uh, the franchise tag is, you know, uh, is what I'm in now. So you know, uh, it's just a part of business. And uh, yeah, we we came close to a, a two-year, two hundred million dollar deal. But I was like, nah, Cam Cam can get the money, so that was fine with me. All right, we'll move on to Albie Oxenrider. Albie, go ahead. Hey, bud, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm good. I uh, have a question for you about um, where you and the team are, uh, you know, from a from a preparation standpoint uh, mentally for the season. You're two weeks away after all you've been through, after all the questions in, the, in this offseason. Does it feel real to you right now? And do and, and you feel like this is it? You're ready to go? Well, like truly, uh, you know, during the virus, the whole situation, the pandemic came in. Uh, you know, it's a lot of, uh, it was a lot of air in between our thoughts that will we play, will we be able to practice. But like once we came to camp and, you know, just been around Coach Tumman, you know, listening to him, him leading us um, the right direction, preparing us for, this type of environment that we'll be playing in the new environment of the world. And you know, now it's starting to feel back real again. So uh, a lot of guys are gazing back in, you know, we're locking back in, we're, we're full focus, count's been going good for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, we're trying to get better and better each day so we can be prepared for the whole season and the playoff run as well. All right, Brooke Pryor, Brooke, go ahead. Hey, bud, I was just uh, watching a video of you from earlier this summer where one of the workout things that looked like you were doing was having someone hit you in the stomach with a medicine ball. Uh, <laughs> what? Why? Uh, and also, what other kind of things were you doing uh, to work out while everything was kind of locked down? Yeah, that's a core exercise that I do. Man, it's just something really to show out, you know, just uh, basically getting punched in the, in the stomach. Some It's a boxing, what boxers do. But, you know, uh, you no, know, I just did a lot of different stuff during the quarantine that um, that I can make sure I stayed in shape, uh, stayed stay active the whole time. Didn't want to just sit around and be idle. You know, that was uh, that was a good thing that I, I had to do. Not try to sit around and wait on the virus. So go out and make sure that I'm preparing myself for the season as if we would have played. And uh, now that we know that we are playing, you know, it's, it's, it was a great gesture by me just to go out and make sure I kept working. It was fine. During that during that whole lockdown time, to even be able to just leave the house and go to the gym and work out, so that was fine for me, even having that that little way. All right, Mark Caboli. Mark, go ahead. Hey, bud, how you doing? What's up, um, Mark? My question is, uh, TJ said he's not much into that pass rushing coach in the off season, but you're the opposite. Uh, what did you get from Chuck Smith that helped you the most, and were you even able to get down there this year with him at all because of the shutdown? Yeah, uh, yeah. Some guys like Panthers coach. Some guys don't. But you know me. Um, I'm always in the stepping stone of wanting to learn more and wanting to just see how other guys move and uh, you know uh, what a password coach sees in me and uh, what he can help me with. You know, Chuck is always the. I tell people all the time, Chuck is the is the foundation of pass rushing. You know, he's the one of the first ones to really do it at a high level. He's the foundation of it. And uh, you know, then uh, also you add in other guys into like PT and Mark. Uh, Mark Hall, who I was working with, BT, you know, Jordan, too. You know, all three of those guys, if you can go just be a part of their program in the offseason, I feel like it'll take your, it'll take your uh, 
your mentality to a different level as far as as far as knowing how to win and also just take your mental to another level too just by being you know just learning the learning the angles learning the hand movements you know learning uh how they see it despite of how you see it as well all right jeff hathorn jeff go ahead hey bud i can understand why you turned down 200 million that's a bit low uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm just wondering, what are your emotions knowing that you're going into the final year of a contract where you control where you're going to be after this season? Yeah, man, it's a, uh, it's, it's a, uh, I would say it's bittersweet. It's a, uh, it's, it's also it's a blessing to be able to get to this point in my career, you know, to still be here, to um, work through adversity, you know, work hard, and just be in this position I am today. And also, you know, I'm being a driver's seat in my driver's seat of my career right now, so. I'll go out and just play the best I can play. You know, everything will take everything will um, play its place at the end of the being in place at the end of the year. You know, I'll be able to control my own destiny. But for right now, I just gotta go out and just keep working hard the way I do. You know, keep trying to get better and better each day, and keep having my teammates like we have to compete against each other and just make us that much better. But you know, man, uh, at the end of the day, it's a blessing uh, and it's a business. It's a business too, so you know, it goes both ways. Mike Prezuda, Mike, go ahead. Hi, Bud. Uh, what have you seen from Alex Highsmith so far? And what would be the ideal number of snaps that uh, you and TJ could take off uh, and still be effective? Oh, man, Alex is ahead, man. Alex is doing real good. Um, he's a smart kid, very athletic. He moves well, you know, uh, and he's always eager to learn stuff. So he's always asking questions and trying to uh, imitate some stuff that we do just to make sure that he's doing it correctly. So, no, he's he's always trying to – so he's running to the ball well. You know, he's actually making plays on the field too. So, you know, it's uh, it's, it's good to just see how he came in prepared. Even do, even during the pandemic, he didn't even have OTAs or anything like that. He still came in. He's doing pretty good. And uh, how many snaps we can take off? I mean, whenever we get tired, we'll come out. <laughs> we ain't really got no issue with that. Whenever we get tired, we want to be the first that we can on the field. So we can make as many plays as possible, and uh, Alex and whoever else is, uh, Ola and um, and uh, all, all the other guys, you know, they come in and they provide that spark that we need when we're not on the field. All right, we'll move on to Will Graves. Will, go ahead. Hey, Bud. You know, last year you you said all the right things when we'd asked you about your contract, and you said, "Look, I'm betting on myself," and obviously that paid off for you. Is there any level of concern when you look into? 2021 and beyond about the the state, the financial state the NFL might be in with, we have no idea what the, the long-term effects of not having fans in the stands might have, or is there oh, concern yeah. about that for you, just what your value might be next summer or next spring? Uh, no, right? No, that's a big thing to think about. But at the end of the day, uh, at the end of the day, I think everything can handle itself. And, um, and uh, we're just, everybody's just looking for the best. All right, we've got time for two more. We'll go to uh, Brian Backo. Brian, go ahead. Hey, bud. Uh, there was a report last month that uh, you and your, your agency had filed um, some paperwork to, to maybe get your franchise tag bumped up to the defensive end number um, because there's some wiggle room sometimes with those situations. Uh, whatever came of that, and what do you kind of consider yourself, an outside linebacker or, uh, or more of a traditional end? Oh yeah, so that's in process right now, and uh, by my agent and uh, and the Steelers are handling that situation. And uh, you know, uh, in the defense, the type of defense that we play, and the type of scheme that's taking over the new league, you know, uh, 
I feel like DNs and linebackers are all the same category. So, you know, it's uh, it's just that type of uh, new style that defense are being played in the NFL, you know, just different type of body style with the same type of position. All right, last one. We'll go to a follow-up. Uh, Jerry, go ahead. Hey, uh, uh, Bud, last year you guys played with the lead so few times, I think 16 quarters out of 64, yet you still led the league in sacks and takeaways. With Ben back and some of the weapons that you've added on offense, if you're playing with the lead, what can your numbers be this year as a defense? How much more can you exceed what you did last year? You no, know, you always want to have the lead just so you know it's going to be uh, a pass most of the time. So uh, with that being said, man, like uh, you can get way more opportunities when you got the lead. And uh, with those opportunities, we got to create plays. So uh, we get those opportunities, we got to create the plays and create the splash plays that we can. And, you know, it, it may be something special. That was Steelers outside linebacker Bud Dupree's and outside linebackers in edge. Where's he an edge. End? He's an edge. We've got Pursuit's not on. Whatever that conversation. <laughs> He's not backing any line. He's an edge. He's an edge. And he talked a little bit about there uh, that at the end there. Uh, but uh, I don't think he's going to win his argument. I though. don't think he is either, but that's still in, in negotiation, I guess. We'll mm-hmm. see where that goes. Uh, not that the Steelers have a ton of free cap space to uh, no, necessarily hand things out willy-nilly. But, yeah. right. but uh, that's going to do it for our show today. So for my partner here, Matt, my, yeah. Matt Williamson yeah, or Mike Persuda, who joins us in the first hour for Wes here, spinning the tunes. I'm Dale Lolly. We appreciate you listening to this edition of the Training Camp Report here on Steelers Nation Radio. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Chris Carter, Wesley Euler with you here on the Blitz, hour number two. We just uh, got done hearing from Derek Watt there in the prior segment. We got some breaking news coming in here, Mr. Carter. Uh, according uh-huh. to sources with ESPN and Josina Anderson, yeah. it looks like the New Orleans Saints wait. are open wait. to trading running back Wes? Alvin Kamara. Wes? Oh, wait, no. You hear it? Oh, no. They're coming. Oh, that's not what I think it is, is it? It's. We just held them off yesterday. The Steelers fans. Oh, no. They've heard the news that Alvin Kamara. Another running back's on the available. There's another running back? And they could trade for him? And it's Alvin Kamara! Run, ah! I can't hold him back any longer! They're firing up the tweets! They're tweeting us! They're telling us that the Steelers need to trade right now! The Alvin Kamara no. tweets! Kamara uh, to the Steelers! We can't stop him! Alvin Kamara to the it's Steelers! Not, it's gonna be unstoppable! No! No! They think they can't afford him! No! He's... No! Little messy to the Steelers! The humanity! Every big name free agent to the Steelers! Every single one of them! I can't take it anymore! Point being, <laughs> here it comes. Everyone's going to be talking about Kamara needs to come to the Steelers. Okay, well, so now this is one that is obviously not going to happen because he's not a free agent. Right. And they... The Saints are going to want some capital. Oh, they're going to want some capital. Yeah, they're going to. Like, here's the thing. Whatever you give up to get to get Alvin Kamara, you're going to be giving up a, a really good draft pick. You're going to be giving up 
a really good player. And you're going to have to pay him. And you're going to have to pay him. Now, that's the only thing, though, is that I, I, I think I, I think that, like, right now, when you look at when you when you look at Alvin Kamara, like that, that this is a little different than Leonard Fournette. Kamara, outside of this moment where he wants where, where they're having this this dispute, I have not heard that Alvin Kamara has gotten into trouble. I haven't heard that he like like for example, they haven't cut him because no one wants him. You know, Leonard Fournette put it out there that he wanted to be traded, and then no one came and got him. So for me, that's a whole different situation, but. You know, Alvin Kamara, he also, he is affordable right now at 2.3-ish mm-hmm. million dollars. Last like, year on his contract? Uh, yeah, and that's the thing. It's a pure, okay. yes, it's a pure uh, rental this year. It would be it would be the $2.3 million. I think actually the Steelers would take the 2.1 uh, as far as because the, the other would be dead money. But, um, but either way, you're talking a little over $2 million of your salary cap that you'd eat up by getting him. Now he is a dynamic playmaker, but he's another person that you'd be working into your system, and, you know, you know, to right before the year starts. Right. You know, is that worth you know giving up what you'd have to give up to get him? Because Alvin Kamara, not too long ago, well, he just the past three years, he's been a highly productive running back. That he has. And without the big problems, I I, I can see a lot of teams being like, hey, well, you know, we'll cough up a good pick here, a good pick there. Um, and if the Steelers, what kind of capital do you have to give up to get him? Hmm. Um, to me, he'd be. I'm more inclined to hear that conversation than Leonard Fournette. I, I think that Alvin Kamara, the way he runs, is better styled for the NFL. He didn't. He doesn't have uh, his time at Tennessee. He had not nearly the touches. I, I believe that that uh, Leonard Fournette did, and the touches that he did have were a lot more protected. He was catching the ball a lot more. He was working in space. He's faster. They weren't the you run know. between the tackles. You're right. Type he wasn't touches like beat up Fournette that, gets. Right. He wasn't getting beat up between the tackles in the SEC. He was catching the ball out in the flat and making people miss. Same thing goes for the way he plays for the Saints. He also split a, a, a backfield with Mark Ingram when he first got there. So this, to me, is a little different than Leonard Fournette when you when you look at the situation. But still, you got to, you know, before before anyone talks, this is no guaranteed thing. Got to see, you know, if the Steelers were actually interested in this, you got to see the return for it again. I don't think they they need they feel like they need to rock the boat here. No, especially because they just traded they they just dealt with a year where they they didn't have a first round draft pick because they got makeup his pack. Right, and I, I I would oh a first round draft pick wouldn't even be in play. It can't no not even a second in my um, opinion, in my opinion. I wonder too because I would look at it and I would say no. I wonder what your answer is to this. If I'm the Steelers. The difference to me to go out and get a guy like Alvin Kamara, right? Yeah. A guy who, like you just alluded to, is affordable right now, but yeah. you're going to have to pay him if you want him past this year. Uh-huh. If I thought that I was Alvin Kamara away from winning a Super Bowl, I would go do it. Mm, that's I, a good point, yeah. I, I don't think, and I'm, I wouldn't think that, that Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert and company are sitting there saying, ah, the Steelers are, you add Alvin Kamara and all of a sudden you're a real Super Bowl contender. Mm-hmm. You and I talked about this yesterday. We do fancy the Steelers as Super Bowl contenders. I wouldn't say they're one of the the four biggest favorites, but I think they're kind of in that next wave of teams in the five to ten range. And yeah. if you're if you're ranking uh, Super Bowl contenders, which obviously puts them firmly in the discussion, if you're one of the top ten teams in the National Football League, I think there's some teams in that conversation that we could say, "Oh man, you add Alvin Kamara, that's really that's dangerous." I don't know if I feel that way about the Steelers. I feel that way about Mika Fitzpatrick. No, Mika Fitzpatrick fits that category. Now, and I don't know if Alvin Kamara fits that category. He doesn't me. fit that category. He would be. He would become arguably the most dynamic player on the offense. Then at that point, with what he can do out of the backfield, I would agree and, with that. And that wouldn't be very interesting because here, here's another thing to, to look at here. Now, 
Like, could you imagine if he ended up with the Chiefs? Oh, yeah, that. that, that. Oh, let's not let's not say bad things. Let's just let's let's just let's think good happy if, thoughts. If you were Kansas City and you could, and knowing you'd only have him for one year because you couldn't afford to pay him, you're would, absolutely taking him. Would, I don't care about just Clyde drafting Clyde Edwards. Would you give up like a second for one year of Alvin Kamara mm, if you're the Chiefs? Nah, no, Third no, because for I, one year I, of Alvin I think Kamara? Clyde Edwards Lair is really. I good. do too. I think I I wouldn't do it. You know, for a, for a second or a third. If I can get a fourth or a fifth, yeah, sure. But a second or a third, that that's another Clyde Edwards Hilaire. That's another type of guy that you can get that would immediately contribute. Steelers right now call. Sean Payton calls Mike Tomlin. Yeah. I went with that because I don't know who this. I don't know the name of the Saints GM, so I can't say so and so calls Kevin Colbert. So I'm just gonna go. Sean Payton calls Mike Tomlin, even though that's not how it works. Mike Tomlin's first response is, "You know, we beat you with Joe Hayden. He didn't have those two pass interferences two years ago, Sean." That's the first response. But then, then Sean Payton would say, "Mike Tomlin's also his first response should be, hey, Sean, please tell me how somehow all the criticism that I've gotten over the last mm. few years, you somehow managed to duck mm. every single year, despite going the seven same, and nine for the three same years cri- in a row. The same criticism that got Mike McCarthy fired in Green Bay. Somehow, Sean, you." Continually to keep getting contact extent, contract extension. Teflon Sean. I digress. Um, if Sean Payton called Mike Tomlin right now yeah. and said, uh, we'll give you Alvin Kamara for Anthony McFarland Ooh. and a third round pick, would you do it? Make it a fourth. And I'll, I mean, I'm so on. Even if, like, because you, you're thinking, right, probably, okay, we're only going to have this guy for one year, most likely. Because if uh. Kamara comes here and has a really successful year, he's. He's going to get paid by somebody. By somebody. See, and the Steelers aren't going to do that when Cam Hayward's still up in the air. Right. TJ Watt, they're going to have to pay Minka eventually. Oh, man, that's so tempting because Kamara, we've seen what he could do in the NFL. And I'm excited for what Anthony McFarlane could be. I think that he can be Alvin Kamara-like with the way that he moves in, in open space. But to know it this year and these next two years especially are just so pivotal with Ben Roethlisberger ending his career soon, if you knew you could get Alvin Kamara on that, here's – Here's here's some stat measurements. I, I went and, and grabbed the comparisons from Alvin Kamara, James Conner, and Leonard Fournette. Oh, and it's perfect because they were all drafted in 2017. When you look at it, Fournette had 666 carries. <gasps> oh, that, yeah, yes, that's the demons number. We don't like that. <laughs> um, he, he by far had the most carries, and he but by only about 200 yards more than Kamara. Despite two, Kamara having 200 less uh, carries or so. Mm-hmm. Now, Kamara also has 10 more rushing touchdowns, averages one more yard per carry hmm. than Fournette. Also, James Conner averages more yards per carry than Fournette. And Kamara is that much more of a receiving threat. He has 243 catches for 2,068 yards and 10 receiving touchdowns. You that's not even if you combine James Conner and Fournette, you get 1,706 touchdowns. That it's not even close, and, and no. less and, and significantly less receptions. Mm. Kamara as a weapon would cool. add an extra dynamic to the Steelers' offense, and that's it, scary to think about. It's it. I don't think this happens again because I just don't think the Steelers are trying to rock rock the boat that much. No, no, I I think it's a total non-starter. We're just going total radio yes. hypothetical here. Yes. I will say this too though that I just had I just had my you know my my grew my despicable me light bulb mm. moment again. Mm-hmm. You'd probably right if, even if you were to bring in Alvin Kamara and then let him walk, you're gonna get a third round comp pick in the draft the following year. That's actually a very good point. So think about it. If you're a team and you think he makes a difference, you give up a third round pick and and something else for him now. It's a good chance if he walks, you're gonna recuperate that third round pick anyways. 
Oh, Chris Carter, I'm wheeling and dealing over here. That's I got my GM hat on no, over no, here. To be honest, that's a Patriot move. That, that is that, a that, total that, Patriot. That's move. a Patriot move. And, and now, wait a second. Do they get? Will they get a comp pick for 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 Connor because he was a third round pick? Mm-hmm. Right? Because they got they got one for Hargrave. Uh, it, it, well, yes. It all it all depends on how much money you sign in your contract. So yeah, that's true. In theory, right? If 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 James Connor has a huge year this year. Mm-hmm. Prices himself out of Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Gets a big offer from, I don't know why I keep coming back to this team, but maybe because they like to sign big money free agents a lot. Gets a big offer from the Raiders. The Raiders. Vegas Raiders. <laughs> you should, y'all should see his face when he says that. It's the most ridiculous thing. Uh, the Steelers, I believe, will get a third-round draft pick. If Juju gets a big contract from the Washington football team this offseason, I, I believe the Steelers get a third-round comp pick i i believe that's how that works yeah and it's it, it, it works for a guy like alvin kamara too even if he was just in your your program for for one year that would be an interesting wrinkle because again if if you can get him for the right compensation it might not even be in a lot of ways like you're giving up that pick you're just kind of waiting for it for a year late you know what i mean you're kicking it down the road a year with mm-hmm. the with the comp pick mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how that plays out so we got a bunch on the table here Mr. Carter. Yeah, I mean, do. we got Alvin Kamara. We really do. What do you think? Just real quick, not for the Steelers. Like, I'm just talking in general. And we know it obviously varies from team to team. Mm-hmm. But in your mind, what would be the proper, uh, like, fair compensation to acquire Alvin Kamara? Very talented. Because because he's a rental. But he is also, yeah, very talented, still young, but knowing that he's going to take some investment as well, too. And I, I would take. I would say a fourth-round pick. That would be fair compensation. Yes, he's a talent, but you know you can only keep him for a year or unless you want to pay him big dollars. Um, you're giving them back a, a draft pick. That would, that would be my price for him. Now, if I'm a team that desperately wants him and says that we, we have the money, if we're, if we're not the Steelers, we have, we have money to sign a back and he fits our system perfectly, I'd say a second-round pick. because Like if you were the Arizona Cardinals ooh, and a, you, you yeah, knew 100% yeah. you got a handshake agreement with him, a contract in place. Yeah, you go a second round pick for him. Sec- I, I do a second round pick. You got a four. Him, you got a four year deal in place four, with him. Four year soon deals. As, he, as soon as he gets traded, he it's works with Kyler Murray for his for, for the first and, part and, of his and career. Hopkins. And DeAndre. Oh, I mean that's a three headed monster right there. Like if I was a team like that, I think Jeez. I would I would give up a little bit more. Yeah, I I, I think a second a second round. A second round but you're right. If I'm the Chiefs, that I know I'm only going to have him for a year. Yeah, that's. Uh, but the Chiefs are in a unique position with Clyde Edwards-Helaire being their first round draft pick. Like that's also true. That's that's something. And else. they'll get Damian Williams back next year. Right. Yeah. After he comes back from the opt out season, so I, I think the Chiefs are in a very unique situation that priced them out of here. But uh, this would never happen because they're in the same division. But if they weren't, the Buccaneers would be the ultimate place. You give Tom Brady Ooh. one year with Alvin Kamara. And if you're the Bucs, you're all in on these next two years. You give right. up a second-round pick. You, you give up the second-round pick. Heck, you might give up a first and say, just give us a third back and we'll live with mm-hmm. that. Um, that would be something I, I think that would work now. But the, here's the thing. The Saints would never give, no, give, not give in, him not to, in, to not a divisional division opponent. Yeah. Like that, 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 that's, that's against football one-on-one-isms. Um, Seattle Seahawks. You have a second round pick for him if you're the Seahawks. A second round pick, yes. You know what? Because the the people talk about how the, the Seahawks picks they give them up anyways. Uh, I would try to package that with Chris Carson and mm. say shop him out. Chris and say, Carson in a third, uh, exactly. Drop my pick down to a, a, a level and say here's a third round draft pick. And here's a Chris Carson. Interesting. We'll take Kamara for a year and see what happens with that. And then again, Kamara with Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf. 
Uh, now you got now you got to do some thinking on offense. Now, now you got some, some weapons. There's some weapons there. Uh, you know, another team like the Niners. Ooh, yeah, that's a team that I think could use him oh, right could now. Could you imagine having Kamara just, in that scheme? With exactly. Trent Williams in front of him now with, too. With Trent Williams oh. in front of him now, Jimmy Garoppolo has less pressure on him to be a supreme playmaker down the field. He can check it down a lot more. They can run the ball a lot more. Alvin Kamara to me makes more sense to be a for 49er. You just lost the Super Bowl. And Ooh. now you get a prolific running back, and not just a Raheem Mostert or a, you know a Nick Breida, whoever they have back there. You, you're getting one of the best running backs in football. That's a different. That, that's a good one-year rental fit. It'll be interesting to see what happens here. You know, that's the thing. That's the thing we love about the National Football League, Chris. It's never a dull moment. It's never boring. Always something happening here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, today it's again Justin Anderson, ESPN, reporting that the Saints are open to trading one Alvin Kamara, the running back down there in New Orleans. Going to take a break here. On the other side, uh, an other, another interesting report uh, that's coming out here across Twitter right now that I want to get Chris's opinion on. What is it? We have to come back with us to find out. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Grooving on a Tuesday with Chris Carter of DK Pittsburgh Sports, the Locked on Steelers podcast. He's with us all week in for Arthur Motes, who is uh, fortunate enough to be down in the Carolinas on vacation. Sounds nice. Sounds real nice. I mean, must be nice. Jeez. That's all I'm going to say, though, Chris. You know, I don't want to give away any more. Yeah. I wouldn't want anybody bugging him on his vacation down there. I mean, someone just rolls up on him. Hey, Arthur, I heard you were like, ah, how are you? (laughs) Wes told me that you were on vacation in the (laughs) redacted location. So I figured we'd stop by and say hello. (laughs) Chris, kind enough to be hanging out with us all week. Again, uh, if you're unfamiliar with his work, shame on you for six weeks. But also follow him on Twitter at Carter Critiques. Read his work, DK Pittsburgh Sports. Listen to him here on SNR from time to time uh, and on the Locked on Steelers podcast as well. Interesting report uh, coming out here from ESPN, Chris, over the last couple hours. And it is that uh, wide receiver Josh Gordon has sold his Super Bowl ring at Mm. an auction. Uh, Now, Josh Gordon, some of you might be saying, wait a second, he got a Super Bowl ring? I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Super Bowl 53, right? Uh, when the Patriots won, he was on the roster, and despite not playing in the game, the Patriots still gave him a Super Bowl ring. He played 12 games for the Patriots that year, which was 2018. Mm -hmm. That was the year when the Patriots beat the Rams in the Super Bowl, two Super Bowls ago. Um, So he did play 12 games for the Patriots in the regular season, but nothing in the postseason or the Super Bowl. They were kind enough to still give him a ring. Chris, he sold it for $138 at a sports auction. I don't hate the hustle there from Josh Gordon. I thought, sorry. My whole mind did not hear a word you said the first time you read it. <laughs> you said $138. I thought you said 
thousand dollars, which I was gonna be like, that's an obscene amount of money for a hundred and thirty-eight thousand dollars. Oh, okay. Now, yeah. right there, I just thought you said one hundred thirty-eight dollars. Period. No, 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 no. I was no, gonna no, say yeah, that sorry. is the saddest thing I've ever heard in my yes, life. That would be okay. very sad. No, okay, sorry, I'm, if I'm, I'm did, crazy. I apologize. One hundred thirty-eight thousand oh. dollars, like one thirty-eight with comma zero zero zero. Okay, like six figures. I mean, it's sad when you have to do something like that. One hundred thirty-eight dollars. But 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 one hundred thirty-eight thousand. I mean. That that's that's a house, you know. That, you know that that's that's taking mm-hmm. care of yourself. I, mm-hmm. I understand it. You know, Rocky Blyer had to sell his his Super Bowl rings at one point. I do believe he got them back. Um, but you know that that's you know it's unfortunate. Josh Gordon's been falling upon hard times upon hard times. He seems like he's had he's been really struggling with a lot of demons ups and downs. in his life. Yeah, yeah and and um, you know, and people like to make fun of that kind of stuff. Like you know, you know, they think it's it's funny to, to go on, get on someone despair. It's different when it's like you know someone with talks a lot of trash and then loses. Um, you know, like like Baker Mayfield, how people make fun yes. of him. Yes, it's different because he's he's successful. He's he's got money. He's gonna be fine. He's his, his mental state. He's not like you know in a dangerous place. Josh Gordon. He might have woke up feeling dangerous, but he's not in a dangerous place. There you go. Uh, uh, good tie. Good tie. Yeah, I give you credit there. I give yeah. you credit there. I give you credit there. Um, uh, <laughs> but the point being with Josh Gordon is his situation was a lot more dire and. You could tell that this was a man that was struggling in a sport that he was so good at, in a profession that he was so good at, that he couldn't avoid this one drug. That honestly, I mean, we we you know, it's it's come out more and more. Marijuana. It's highly, it's highly debated. Yeah, it's highly debated that marijuana does not do the damage to you that people you know try to try to say it. Should, it shouldn't be as restricted as as it is. There's that that's, there's that debate going on, but you know, it's still sad that you couldn't control yourself. To keep that out of your system because the NFL wouldn't let you smoke it, and now you're in a situation where your career's been ruined, and those the, the you know the millions of dollars that you were expecting to come in your life, they're not here you know for you now. You could sell that Super Bowl ring, um, but it's apparent that you know you're not going to get another shot in the NFL because I mean I'm sure he's been trying, yeah. Uh, just no team wants to take that risk. Yeah, I mean it's it's tough, especially now, right? I mean we've seen Antonio Brown with this. We thought when the NFL announced, okay, it's going to be an eight-game suspension for Antonio Brown, that that would help his chances to have somebody take a flyer on him, right? Because at least now there's set time on it. We have seen all these wide receivers, not all these, but we have seen a lot of wide receivers, um, guys like Kevin White, guys that have been journeymen, guys like, like Tavon Austin. Hey, I went with two WVU guys there. We've seen a lot of wide receivers get tryouts recently uh, without Antonio Brown getting a call that makes me feel like it's going to be hard for Josh Gordon to get a call as well too which again like you said it's it's tough to see that to see all that talent to see what we saw the flashes of greatness yeah. um and for for what seems like a few different reasons right it's never just one thing with with, with anyone who's struggling in life usually it's a couple contributing factors um hopefully everything's working out all right for him and hopefully you know what if I'm going to look on the bright side, maybe it was just one of those he got a really good offer for it, and it's something that since he wasn't with, you know, he didn't play in the he, game. That he, also might be he. He just he got a, a good offer for it, it, and he has no connection to it. Yeah. And he was just like, and yeah, like, whatever. Hey, let me have a come. I mean, who knows? Maybe he's fixed things around his life, and he's yeah. just moving on, and he's just like, you know, what? I really don't care about this because I didn't, fin- I, I didn't, I wasn't actually in this game. Um, you know, and maybe that's what that's what he that's what he he didn't feel any personal connection to it. So if that's the case, that's fine. I just I feel like when I, if I ever got a Super Bowl ring, I mean, it would just be you know as a player, I would just cherish that, and then you know that would always either be on my finger or in a trophy case somewhere, or just something that I you know I pass down to my children and be like, you hold on to this forever. Um, 
But hey, I mean, if he doesn't feel a personal connection to it and he, and he made $138,000 and not $138, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's something that I, I, I totally get. You know, that's something that only he can answer for. So who knows? Maybe it's not a sad story. Maybe it's just more so, hey, I, you know, I'm doing this because I don't care about this ring um, and I got more personal, I got, I got more, you know, personal things to deal with. On a lighter note. Sure. <laughs> I, I'm happy to talk about one. If you had the money, mm-hmm. what's an expel? Like, what, what's something you would splash on a piece of sports memorabilia that if you know, if you were some billionaire businessman and, and money was no object I was Bruce for you? Wayne, and I was coming in. What's a what's a piece of a sports memorabilia that you would like to own? Huh. Uh, I'm trying to think of. <laughs> I never thought because I've never thought about rich sports memorabilia, uh, but myself. My father's a huge collector of maybe not memorabilia, a little bit of memorabilia, but he he collects a lot of McFarland okay. uh, statues. Mm-hmm. So for those who don't know, Mark McFarland's are like miniature statues. They're to me they're so much better than bobbleheads because they I look agree. lifelike. Yes. You know, the art of them is to make them look like they're in the moment, they're in the action. And he has he has a ton of football players across not just Steelers, but his fate. He has a whole shelf of running backs, a whole shelf of nice. offensive players, of defensive players, of favorite players. He has a pitch shelf where he has a, he actually has Iron Hand Hayward and nice. and, and he he has a guy who is a, like an excellent custom creator of them. You give them a you give him say you give him like a Randy a Moss, and... he'll turn that into a Martavis Bryant like if you of all the random people nice. you could do. Nice. Um uh and so my dad collects a lot of those but he also collects a lot of Negro Leagues memorabilia. Okay. And if I could afford something like that, I would. I would find anything that I could tie to Satchel Page and to Josh Gibson, and get that for my old man, and uh, and have that be for him. If I if I had, if it was like you know something crazy, I've actually been to Josh Gibson's memorial. His, uh, you know, because he's he's buried in the Allegheny mm-hmm. Cemetery mm-hmm. here in Pittsburgh. Um, and for those who don't know, who I'm talking about you know Josh Gibson, arguably the greatest hitter in all of baseball. Um, they say he was the the greatest the, the greatest home run hitter in the Negro Leagues, and that he crushed everything in sight. And he was the only real guy that could that could destroy Satchel Paige, who some say is the greatest pitcher yep. in all of baseball his, yep. history. Um, so I, I'd love for something like that, something tied to Jackie Robinson. No, you know what? I got it. I would want Muhammad Ali's gloves from the Rumble in the Jungle. That would be Ooh, my number one. If I could, that's a good if one. I had all the money in the world and I could buy one sports memorabilia, give me Muhammad Ali's gloves from the Rumble in the Jungle. Maybe the greatest. Fight, well, the greatest, the greatest uh, glorified fight yeah. in boxing is because there's, I think there's better actual boxing fights. But it's the most technique. famous fight. But it's in the boxing most famous, history. and I think it meant the most because it was Probably. Ali recapturing the title after it was stripped from him for standing up for what was right in America. That right there, that would mean something to me. Or that's a good one. That's a know, really good. You know one. what? I'll, I'll, I'll do. I, I, I keep one upping myself. You do keep one up in yourself. Where are you going to go from here? This would probably require some stealth and some thievery. Uh oh, you going to get the Ocean's Eleven crew on the yeah, on like the phone they'd here? have to do this. I would get <laughs> the gold and bronze medals from John Carlos and, and Tommy, Tommy Smith, Smith, the ones that were stripped of them. I thought you were going to Jesse Owens here, so we uh, we were on the same wavelength. Mm-hmm. I would go and I'd get them. I get them their I get their medals back, and I believe John Carlos has passed, and Tommy Smith is still alive. I think. But uh, that I, sounds right. I would I would return them to their families. I like you know that would be that would be Muhammad Ali be one. That'd be two. I like that. That's really good too. That's really good too. It's funny you say that. Moats and I were talking about uh, those guys last week when we we were having you know a a, a social social justice conversation, mm-hmm. and we were talking about how 
just in general, people who like the separation of you know sports and politics, like it's the separation of church and state and the constitution. Like right. it's it's just never existed. It's never been that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, for what happened to to um, to those guys, and and we talked to like the Australian guy who stood on the podium with them got completely ostracized too, yeah. just because he refused to condemn what they did. Like you know what I mean? And, like and he and, he actually helped their protest. He did, didn't he? He gave them one of the gloves or something. No, didn't so he? initially, what it was is that one of them forgot their set of gloves because they were both going to use both hands. Correct. But and he said, "Why don't you just wear one on the other hand?" Exactly. or Exactly. Yeah. And it was it was his suggestion, and then he didn't condemn. And then them. he refused to apologize for yes. it, and so he wasn't allowed to compete in the next Olympics. Mm-hmm. And, and he's he said he he's in his that's life a crazy he passed, story. He never got invited back every time there's an olympics australia would invite every olympic medalist back that's ever Except won anything and he would be the only one that wouldn't get get an offer and but yet somehow people think that this is like a, a new battle that's right. just come out of this, nowhere because it's an election sports because, and politics because don't, it's don't an mix. election year yeah yeah get the heck out of here but the, <laughs> but the point being but those are those are two historic moments that for everyone as people Yes, I could see myself oh, being like hundred percent, like that, like beyond Steelers, and, beyond right, like, and that's where that's where I go in this conversation. Yeah, because immediately, right, I started to think like, okay, what's the what's the Steelers memorabilia that I would want to have? Mm. You know, ooh, is it? it I mean, is like it San Antonio Immacul- Holmes, San Antonio. No, I think it would be something because I thought about the Immaculate Reception football, which yeah. is owned by a guy here in yeah. Western Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen the Peyton Manning, the Peyton's places mm-hmm. on ESPN That's on great. the Immaculate Reception great. football, you gotta. I mean, Peyton Manning is dynamite. He interviews the guy who has the football. It, it's great. You gotta watch it if you're a Steelers fan. Um, I, I would want something steal it like respectfully to all of our old fogies out there. I would want like the Steelers have had enough success in my lifetime too that I would You'd want, want a, something honoring. I that. want something from that. Um, so like maybe San Antonio Holmes's game jersey from you know from from Super Bowl forty three, maybe something like that. Um, I don't know. I'd have to think about it for the Steelers because there's there's dude there's just so much to go off. So many of. things. Like there's um, there's just so much to go off of. Like, well, uh, you know, a, a funny one. And maybe we should I take want, the jerseys out of it because that's too, I feel like that's too easy for too me. Easy, that's low yeah. hanging fruit for me. You're right. I'd, I'd want the oxygen tank that James Harrison used after his yeah. Super Bowl <laughs> after his Super Bowl interception return, when he was <sighs> catching his breath after that. And, and by all means, he should have. But <laughs> that's one of my. That was also one of my favorite sports references in. SNL history was when Keenan came on and he was James Harrison that next Saturday and he was James Harrison still with the oxygen tank like I'm still catching my breath after running for a hundred yards but I'm definitely excited that we won this <laughs> but I would give you if that oxygen tank is somewhere and stored away I would love to have that <laughs> like I would love to have something Jerry West related from WVU you know mm-hmm. like but that- I think if I was going like Who? you know like Oh, would you stop it? The logo of the <laughs> National Basketball Association. Oh, that guy. Um, and I can. Who knows how much longer I can say that? Because I do think at some point the NBA is going to change the logo. But I digress. Um, but I think I would go bigger picture too. Like I would really love to have something from like the 1980s Miracle on Ice game when the United mm. States upset the Soviets. That's a great one. Like um, whether it be a stick or maybe like. Jim Craig, the goalie for USA, his goalie mask, you know, or, or, or something like that, I, I think would be really cool. But that's what I, I'm with you on that. Like, I go to like the Olympic moments, the, you know what I mean? Like, some, some type of sports memorabilia like that would be really cool. Uh, most expensive pieces of sports memorabilia of all time. Well, the, I know the most expensive baseball card is Honus Wagner. Correct. 
It's worth a million dollars. Three point one two million dollars. Wait, that's that's three million. I thought it was a million dollars. Three point one two million dollars. Uh that's the third most expensive piece of sports memorabilia of all time. Number one, Babe Ruth jersey. Mm, that's that. Yeah. That um, sold for four point four million dollars. Jesus. Number two, James Naismith's original rules of basketball no, from eighteen ninety one. I remember. I remember uh, hearing about some that. Some crazy billionaire Kansas grad bought that. For four point three million dollars to put it back in the athletic department at Kansas. Jeez, must be nice. Wish I had the money for something like that. <laughs> Honus Wagner again, the three point one million dollars. Mike McGuire's uh, home run ball, seventieth home run ball, went for three million dollars all the way back in two thousand. Uh, or sorry, that was nineteen ninety or two thousand ninety nine. Summer ninety nine, I believe. Yeah, summer of ninety. I remember I was in the fourth grade. Um, Paul Henderson, um, who was a, uh, a famous Montreal Canadiens player, mm-hmm. his jersey sold uh, for $1.2 million. Uh, Babe Ruth bat $1.26 million. Uh, original rules of football from 1858 in England sold for $1.24 million. And of course, I got to say soccer, okay, with Chris here. All right. Yeah, Fo- yeah. Football. Football. Uh, pair of Muhammad Ali gloves, $1.1 million. From the uh, Floyd Patterson fight. That's an interesting one. Yep. Babe Ruth's uh, Yankees contract. And then the old FA Cup, which is a, a, a competition, a trophy uh, in English soccer. Those are the most expensive pieces of sports memorabilia of all time. If you could have any of those, what would you choose, Chris? Uh, I would the take, Muhammad Ali gloves. I would take the other. Because I think that's the—I may be wrong here, but I think that's the fight— where Ali was beating him so bad because Patterson spoke out against uh, Islam. Yeah, I think you're right. And he was like, what's my name? Because he refused to call him. So he, I mean, That's he's, right. He's he kept tagging him Clay, as right? he's like, what's my name? And he yep. just keeps punching him and punching him. That, that's a that's a legendary moment you know, in all sports. I would certainly take that. But, of course, you know me. I'm all about the money. I would might just grab that 1920 <laughs> Babe Ruth jersey, sell that for $4.4 million, See. then go buy – the Muhammad Ali gloves, and then I'd be up three million dollars. Oh, see, now see you're I, again, I, no. I, I just want to be rich. That's all. Now you're talking. Yeah. Um, I think you know I'm a spiteful guy. I'm a mountaineer, and I'm spiteful. So mm-hmm. I think I would like the rules of basketball, just so you know. Every time we played Kansas, I could be like, <laughs> oh, that's that's stick actually your, pretty stick funny. Stick your head and do do. <laughs> that's that, that's a pretty good one. Oh man, that would that would that would be uh, really cool. You know what I'd get? I'd like to get. Pat Bostick's cleats from the night. Uh, see, I'm yeah, thirteen nine. I thought you were going to give me a, a, a thirteen to nine joke. Um, I do have you'll like this. I do have one um, piece of hand earned WVU sports memorabilia. What's that? I think I'm past the statute of limitations here, so I don't think I can incriminate myself. Oh, has it been seven years? Oh, it's been way. It's been seventeen years. You're good. Okay. Um, <laughs> 2003. Benefit of having a little law degree guy here. <laughs> 2003, Marcus Vick, undefeated, number two in the country, Virginia Tech, came to Morgantown. Mm-hmm. It was Rich Rodriguez's second year as head coach at WVU. I remember this. We were, I mean, 28 and a half point underdog. I, I mean, like, that, we yeah. were like 3 and 10 the year before. So it was Michael Vick's little brother. And yep. I, I remember thinking, like, I don't think he's that good. And West Virginia showed up. We beat them 28 to 7 yeah. as like 28 point underdogs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I think, actually, this was 2003. I'm pretty sure it was the last time uh, WVU football fans rushed the field. Mm-hmm. I think it was. I think it's still the last time. I was in seventh grade. Wow. I was there with one of my buddies and his dad. Mm-hmm. Um, it worked out well for me. When I was in sixth grade, quick aside, I had right across the street from us a, a family of 
of WVU alumni moved okay. right across the street from us. They had a son, same age as me. Okay. They had three season tickets. They had wife, husband, both with the WVU son, who was my age. Mm-hmm. They had three season tickets, but the misses never wanted to go to the games. Like you know, she just didn't. Yeah, wanna, she just didn't thing. want to go and tailgate cool. and do the whole thing. So they would always take me with them to games. So I was at them with this game. When it's over, Jordan and I ran down onto the field. We're like 13 years old. Yeah. And and I and I got a football. Oh, All right. I almost got pepper sprayed, but I got a football. Oh man. I mean, at least it's... so a Virginia Tech football. So I still have this football that has the VT. Oh, that's car- so cool. Has the VT carved into it. Wow. So I guess te- I mean it is technically WVU memorabilia. Mm-hmm. It's not really, but I guess technically because it's from a WVU game. But you know how like every team brings their own footballs. I got one of the Virginia Tech footballs from that game because they just kind of took off and sprinted off the field, you know, when when fans started rushing, as everybody does. And me and my buddy were like, oh, look at these footballs. Let's grab one. And we grabbed one, and then we almost got pepper sprayed. And like I said, we were 13 years old, so we were like, all right, let's get out of here. That's so hilarious. We ran back up into the that's stands. A, that's almost as – the. did you ever hear the story about the guy that, that, uh, that, 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 that tried to steal Vince Lombardi's hat? So I don't know if I've ever heard this story. It, it, it was like an ESPN, like like just a Sunday football countdown story that they just threw in the middle of the thing. It was like, how is this not famous? So this guy talks about how during the Ice Bowl, uh, it's the you know the the one where they went with the Bart Starr, they went right. with the quarterback yep. sneak. Yep. Um, he said like during the game, he had this plan. He just wanted to get Vince Lombardi's hat. So it's freezing cold. So everyone's like so like miserable, but focused on the game. He sneaks onto the field and just wraps himself in a big coat. So then he just blends in with all these guys that are in these huge coats that cover their football pads. And then he just waits for the end of the game. They win with the court with the QB sneak, and everyone rushes the field. And as they rush the field, he said he just runs up behind Vince Lombardi, snatches his hat, and then on video, they they have video conference. <laughs> Lombardi chases him down, gets him, and starts pummeling him. And he's just punching him. He's like, give me my hat you back. You the wrong target there. Right. And then he gets his hat back and the kid escapes and then he's like, uh. So, um, so and like the, the guy's like laughing about this on the special and the family's like, this is not something we're proud to, that he, that he's so proud of. Um, but to me, that's like a great story about like, you, like if you would pull something off like that, grabbing a football, that's pretty, that's pretty legendary. But like stealing Vince Lombardi's oh. hat, that's like, oh. Now, so now that you got me on that topic. Sure. Bob Huggins gets custom made and you know he's like the track suit extraordinaire. Yeah, of course. He gets custom made Jordan Brand with the WVU and Big Twelve logo. That's tight. Like, so you know, like WVU's a Nike school. Yeah. Um, and you know how that is. Like Pitt's a Nike school too, right? Mm-hmm. So you get all the Pitt stuff that has the the Nike embroidery and it yeah, has the tight. ACC embroidery. All his stuff has the Jordan logo. His personal mm-hmm. stuff has the Jordan logo. That's tight. I'd like to steal, although it would never fit me. It'd be like a parachute on me. <laughs> you would just, it would just fall around you. With like his 3X jacket. You just, just, you, just, you just wear the top and it's just, just your, that's your nightgown. Exactly. I could sleep in it maybe. It's a nightgown. Chris Carter, Wesley Euler, having some fun here. We're way overdue for a commercial break before we get to hour number three. Richard says here on Twitter, uh, speaking of Satchel Paige, his great aunt dated Satchel Paige. Get out of here. I like that, Richard. That's awesome. I like Thank that, you for Richard. sharing that. <laughs> that is pretty cool. Cool. Uh, Richard's like our resident. Like anytime we try and debate, like seventies Steelers, eighties mm-hmm. Steelers. Richard is like our resident sports historian. I think he's tweeted us his age before, but I'm not going to ask him to out himself. But no, he Rich, doesn't but, need to do that. But, but Richard, Richard you, knows Richard. his stuff. He's he's one of our good tweeters. Uh, that'll do it for hour number two. Speaking of tweets, keep those coming in at Wesley Euler at Carter Critiques. We will get to them in the third hour of the show. He is Chris Carter. I am Wesley Euler, and you are listening to Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Euler and Motes are on the air. 
This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Wesley Euler, Christopher Carter at Steelers Blitz on SNR. Keep those tweets rolling in. We will get to them before we get out of here. We've got an interesting one that just came in from Brendan. I know Chris is going to want to talk about this. Uh-oh. But first, we've got to finish up uh, You know some of the things we got to get to today before we get out of here. You know what I'm saying? I don't know why I just turned into a character that, from Goodfellas that, all that, of a sudden. That's totally but. fine. <laughs> Yesterday you had the Mia Now you got the Just figure out which area, which era mobster you want to be. Please. Please for all <laughs> of us. Am I 1920s just, we beg or am I 1970s? Yeah, What's yeah, going yeah. on here? We beg of you. <laughs> a little consistency, Euler. Uh, wanted to talk some award predictions f- with you here, okay. uh, Chris. I figured we'll do some today, some tomorrow. So let's talk uh, MVP. Offensive Player of the Year and Offensive Rookie of the Year. Most okay. Valuable Player of the Year. We already know this, right? All the prime candidates are going to be quarterbacks. That's yep. that's that's how this works. Um, is is Mahomes the clear running away favorite for you, or, or maybe some guys like Lamar, Deshaun, maybe even a Russell Wilson, maybe a little bit closer than people think? I got. I gotta be in Mahomes. I just think it's too. It's too. He's in. He's in. A, he's in the system. He knows. He's coming off the Super Bowl year. Um, you know they they didn't lose, they didn't lose any real talent to their roster uh, as far as their offense. Yeah, they got like twenty one of twenty two starters coming back. or something Yeah, like, like they they're in the best situation, and they're gonna get Clyde Edwards Hilaire to balance to, to balance things out this this year. Mahomes for me is the running away number one. Like like if you bet on Mahomes this year, you still lose money if he gets it. Yes. Like like yes. like you just. He's too easy of a a pick there. So with that in mind, kind of, I guess, similar to the question that I asked you about, you know, would you take James Conner or would you take the field? Okay. Would you take, if you you were going to put money down, would you you take Mahomes or would you take everybody else? Would you take the field? Are you that confident in Mahomes? I'm that confident in Patrick Mahomes being the MVP this year. Um, I think Lamar is a heck of a is a heck of a player, and I think he's he's going to have a great career. But I think more people are going to key in on him this year, and this is going to be a a uh, a growing year for him, where you know he's going to have success, but not the kind of success he had last year, because more teams are going to find ways to, con- yeah. to contain him. Not everyone, but uh, but a few more teams, including the Steelers, including the Steelers, offensive player of the year. Now this is interesting, right? Because. This normally doesn't go to a quarterback a lot of times because quarterback gets the MVP right. and then they'll kind of give offensive player of the year to like Julio Jones or Michael Thomas or a running back, you know. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm thinking with this. I I think it's going to be a big year for Christian McCaffrey. I mean, I one, because he's very talented and very good, but mm-hmm. two, because, I mean, it's going to be like him and Teddy Bridgewater and that's going to be really all that offense has going for him. Uh, I mean, I agree with that. Um you know, it's it's tough for me. It's tough for me to say with with running backs. I, I also I really like Saquon Barkley, and I felt yeah, like he didn't. I'm with you on he that too. Ha, he hasn't put up the numbers that um, I think he's capable of yet. So he could absolutely be that guy. I also look at it in Ezekiel Elliott because they're going to have a new offense there with Mike McCarthy around, and he might find more ways to get him the football. 
Um, so I think he could be the offensive player of the year. But uh, okay, bold prediction time. All right, let's hear it. We're talking a Steeler being the offensive player of the year. Ooh. Can you guess who it is? I'll give you three shots. Is it the quarterback? No. Is it Deontay Johnson? No. Is it? I mean, it can't be a tight end. Do your third guess. This is my last guess. Betty Snell. No. Who? It's Alvin Kamara because they're trading for him. I'm kidding. I I got him, y'all. I got him. Oh, you got me. Oh, <laughs> but uh, no. the music, the Jaws music. <laughs> um, no, but uh, but seriously, I, I think it could be an Ezekiel Elliott or a Barkley or a McC- I mean, the, like I pick one of those three running backs. They're gonna. Yeah. Have, but I think Elliott has a really good chance to remind everyone how bad of a man he is because Mike McCarthy's gonna come in. He's gonna feed the ball to his playmakers. He's gonna have Dak Prescott making smarter decisions. I think the offense is gonna be opened up a little bit more, and you're gonna see a much more dangerous yeah. Cowboys team this year. So I, I look to Ezekiel Elliott because I still think that offense runs through him. I, I'll make him. Uh, uh, my my offensive player of the year favorite for now. That's a good call. I like the logic behind that one too. Uh, last but not least, here for today, yeah. we'll do uh, we'll do the other side of the football yeah. tomorrow. Offensive rookie of the year. Hmm. Now, this is another award. If you look at the recent history, mm-hmm. that is tilted towards quarterbacks. Right. I honestly think. I mean, I love Kyler Murray, but I would have gone with Josh Jacobs last year, personally. Right. And I think that can. Happen. I agree. I think that could happen again this year because, yeah. man, I think Clyde Edwards-Helaire is going to be the guy. I think he's going to be a bad man. But if the Bengals win four or five games, I could see him easily giving it to Joe Burrow. I could. I could. Uh, I would hate that. I just just because he does that. You know. You know who I'm. I'm sneaking in here. Who are you sneaking in? I'm sneaking in a playmaker. Uh, Jerry Judy. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's Jerry Judy because I think him and Drew Locke are going to have some chemistry. I think they're going to have some big plays. He's going to put up some supreme numbers for them. And I think that that's going to open up a lot more for that Broncos offense. I think they're going to be a little bit more formidable than people think um, with, 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 with the talent that they have back there. Uh, don't forget they went and grabbed Melvin Gordon. They still mm-hmm. got Philip Lindsay. You know, Drew Locke's young. They got Noah Fant. Um, I think he, he he's going to rebound from his from last year, um, and now you add Jerry Judy for that for that that all over all around super playmaker type wide receiver to the offense. I, I think that they could be a little bit more of a threat than they have been, and Jerry Judy unlocks that for them. And when people see that, that's going to break things open. And that's not to say that a player like C.D. Lamb yep. won't do that for yep. the Cowboys. I think he he has that kind of talent, even though he's across from Amari Cooper, and they still have Michael Gallup back there. Clyde edwards Hilaire, I would not sleep on him at all either, just because I think I that love that pick for the. Chiefs. Yeah, he, he he fits them so perfectly, um, and uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised. That's a sneaky sleeper candidate. I mean, it's not too sneaky because he's a second-round pick, but Jonathan Taylor for the Colts. Hmm. I think with Quentin Nelson, he like if, if, if he's their number one guy, or at least he wins it early on, I think that he could. I like his that. style of running would work really well with how that offensive line works, and uh, his ability to hit the home run might impress people and say, huh, you know, they're you know we, we got to add that team that guy to the roster. I'm with you. I am with you. It, it, that you you touched on the Broncos' offense though. They're one of the more intriguing for me to watch this season, just because I could see them having a good amount of success. I mm-hmm. could also see them if it doesn't work out with Drew Locke, 
struggling mightily too. I feel like like there's a big gap there. There's a high ceiling and a very low floor there. I'm interested to see how that all plays out. Uh, so that's our thoughts on MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, and Offensive Rookie of the Year. Tomorrow on the program, oh, a little long-term tease here. Here we go. We'll, uh, we'll do Defensive Player of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year, Comeback Player of the Year. Hint, hint, we might talk about a certain quarterback in Pittsburgh. And Coach of the Year as well for tomorrow. We've got to take our penultimate break here. You like that? There you go. Big words. Yeah. Our penultimate break here. Uh, on the other side, we will hear from Cam Sutton and continue the conversation. We also want some more tweets for the last segment of the show. We've gotten some good ones that we'll kick around already. Uh, make sure you get yours in at Wesley Euler at Carter Critiques. You are listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Steelers Blitz on SNR. Wanted to take another opportunity here one last time for this show here on Tuesday before we close with your tweets to hear from Cam Sutton. And a reminder that all the audio we play here on the show for you, Training Camp Audio, is brought to you by your neighborhood Ford store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Here's Cam Sutton. Mark Cabali, the athletic. Hey, Cam. Um, how you doing? How you doing, Mark? Pretty good. Hey, I'm sure you want to do what's best for the team and Playing multiple positions does that, but can it get frustrating at times being that um, well trade guys when you're short when obviously you believe you're more than that? Well, Mark, uh, definitely, obviously, being a competitor and um, wanting to be a consistent player out on the field, uh, I wouldn't say it gets frustrating, but, um, you know, um, I guess you could say the way you approach it, um, just not having any care about, you know, just going out there and making plays and just helping the defense. I think that's the biggest thing that um, keeps that frustration, you know, or, you know, just whatever, feeling a way about anything um, to a minimal. And uh, just knowing that being able to move around, a um, guy being able to play, you know, most positions in secondary, um, just having more ways of creating opportunities to get the ball back for our offense. Great. Joe Rudder, Trib. You know, playing so much now in the sub and in different spots, how much do you think you've developed in the time you've been with the Steelers? You know, when you definitely a lot, definitely a lot. Um, you know, I've had I've had a great group of, of secondary guys, let alone secondary coaches, um, and and just you know guys around the defense who have been able to you know transfer a lot of knowledge to me. Um, whether it's playing outside, whether it's playing inside, whether dime or nickel, um, and obviously from safety aspect, you know the great safeties that we have. Now, um, and, and, you know, we, we've had since I've been here, you know, I've learned a lot of a lot from the guys that um, I've been around. Um, that's really, you know, humbled me. And, uh, you know, like I said, been able to create opportunities for myself and I'll kind of pave my own way. And I think that's that's the biggest thing for me. You know, guys are, you know, all brothers and uh, play together. And, uh, you know, we're not, we're not selfish, you know, because we, we all know it's for a, a bigger a bigger cause. So. Brooke Pryor, ESPN. Hey, Cam, you know, last night we saw 
Mike Tomlin's message while you guys stood unified behind him. And this morning, we've talked to some of your teammates about social justice and the things that you're doing as a team. And I was just wondering, what are some of the committees that you're involved in um, that the team has formed this offseason? And, and mm-hmm. what's your role kind of been um, with that? Yeah, so, um, so that's a great question. So, uh, you know, with, with piggybacking off of Mike T yesterday, you know, uh, we talked about emotional speaker, you know, our leader who um, is setting the center, setting the tone for, uh, you know, the great group of great, great group of guys and um, just us as an organization. And uh, we're standing together in unity. Uh, we're fighting a good fight. And, um, you know, it's a time now more than ever to, you know, express, you know, um, be involved and, and make change, you know, and that, that's the biggest thing for us. And um, we have a social justice re- uh, reform group that we have um, that I'm a part of. A lot of guys are, you know, a part of that group. Um, we just had a seminar yesterday or the day before yesterday about, uh, about voting, you know, the history of voting and, um, you know, getting guys registered for voting. You know, so we're doing, you know, a, a couple of different things, you know, of getting everybody on the same page and, uh, like I said, doing our part. All right, just a reminder one more time to raise your hand if you have, or if you want to ask a question. Teresa Varley, Steelers Media Production. Hey, Cam, how you doing? I'm doing good, yourself? Hey, one good. of the things that has been mentioned about you over this past week, different people talking about you, is your smarts, your football intelligence. You know, yes, how much does that feel good here and everybody sees that, but also how valuable a part of your game is that? Um, it's, it feels really good to hear that, you know, just obviously the work that I put in, you know, um, just seeing it, um, the back end of that, you know, just um, a lot of time in the film room, um, a lot of time of studying offenses, um, concepts, you know, formations, patterns, you know, all the, all the ins and outs that, Give a give you know a player a competitive advantage out on the field, you know I've really um, partaken in that role and um, that's expanded my knowledge of the game. Let alone put myself and my teammates in in good good situations to make plays on the ball, and that's it. You know that's what it's all about. You know a collective. You know I'm not a guy that's that's saying that I know everything out there on the field, um, and you know obviously a lot of guys aren't just knowledgeable of everything. And, you know, and that's a that's a good, great time for us to all meet together. You know, we do a lot of meeting together and, um, you know, just talking ball, you know, and that, that's what brings us. That's why we're so uh, such a tight knit group. You know, we love ball. We love this game and uh, we do anything for each other. You know, so just being able to um, give a give a little bit of knowledge to a guy or, you know, get, receive some knowledge from someone, you know, it, it's, it's definitely molding my game. So. Hugh Ringer. Cam, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Yourself? Good, good. Cam, you probably are well aware that in many sports, in addition to football, uh, utility players have great value. Yes, sir. Uh, now, as you look at yourself, first of all, is is there one particular position that you play that is your favorite? And uh, do you feel that we should call you Certainly not a jack of all trades and a master of none, but maybe a jack of all trades, master of all. Uh, I wouldn't say that yet. I'm still in the continued process of, you know, achieving that. But I really appreciate that. Um, you know, the biggest thing for me, um, like I said before, is just, like you said, just honing in on those different positions and skills and um, being able to use that versatility to make plays. Um you know, anywhere in secondary, I'm, I'm, I feel right now uh, I'm really comfortable with, 
uh, whether it's outside, whether it's playing inside, uh, moving around, you know, setting up matchups, whatever it is, just to, to give ourselves, you know, keep ourselves ahead on defense and, and never, you know, put ourselves in bad scenarios out there on the field. And I, I think that's where I've expanded a lot more um, in the defense of just having that freedom of, you know, uh, taking away mismatches or, you know, line, putting guys in, in good spots to still be, still be productive throughout the defense and, and then still in the scheme of the defense. So um, that's just something that we're, we're continuous, uh, continuous working on, uh, continue to get better at and, uh, you know, looking to put out there on game day. Chris Adamski, true. Hey, Cam, I'm, I'm sure you're, you're genuine and you mean it, you know, when you'll say that you, know, you want to do what's best for the team and you, you want to, you know, help the team win and make plays and everything, but mm-hmm. are going to be a free agent coming up this year. Is there a, a pressure, you know, from externally, from your agent or from, you know, just inside even that, you know, you know, it is a business, you have a future that, you know, being at a certain spot might, you know, make you more valuable on the market and everything, whether it be the Steelers or whoever else come the spring, is there, is there sort of a desire to, to not at all, you know, um, that's something that will be handled when the time is, you know, time is present for that. You know, that's uh, our focus right now is getting ready for week one. And, uh, you know, you know, God will, you know, take care of that when it's time. And, uh, you know, that's kind of just leave. That's where where it's at. Cause you know, right now we're worried about New York giants. So I think that's, I think that's our focus. All right. Last question for Mark Cavalli, the athletic all up. Uh, one more, Cam. Uh, just an overall football question here. A lot of teams go into two tight end sets. This, I mean, recently, as a defense defender, and especially in your position, what mm-hmm. makes that so difficult to defend? Is it just because you basically have to be basic, or is it more than that? Well, you talk about you're talking about a variety of style of offense. You know, um, as you can see throughout the over course of the years, and you know, just week in week out, you know, offenses are expanding, you know, guys are getting more athletic, guys are getting more flexible. Um, you're able to move tight ends and flex them out as receivers. You have, you know, blocking tight ends, tight ends that can block in and make plays down the field. So, you know, that's something that obviously we're preparing for um, as well as a lot of other, other schemes that um, happen throughout the course of the season, let alone um, throughout the, the division and teams that we play throughout the year. And uh, just with a two tight end set, you know, like I say, it just gives it gives a lot of teams flexibility. You know, you can run the ball in two tight end sets. You can play pass. Um, you could create matchups inside. You know, or bigger bodies outside. You put them at the one. So you know, it's just different things that um, you know you have to detail going into situations like that um, to kind of try to limit guys who are explosive. You know, with the ball as well as without the ball. That was Cam Sutton talking to the Pittsburgh media yesterday before practice. Some good questions there, uh, and he certainly is a uh, is a utility player without a doubt. A a nice uh, a nice ace to have in the hole for the Pittsburgh Steelers, if you will. Cam Sutton there. Remember that audio brought to you. Reminder, I should say that audio brought to you by your neighborhood Ford store. The Ford F one fifty is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're going to take our last break, but on the other side, we'll get to some of your tweets and reaction from the day, so don't go anywhere. Chris Carter, Wesley Euler, you're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR.
This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Not only does he bring football knowledge, but he also brings music chops and DJ requests to the program. In the keys that are sold. You know, Chris Carter, he goes, you know, normally, I know this is normally the part of the show, you know, where we play Ico Ico, but it is the first of September. How about we play a little Earth, Wind, and Fire? And the greatest said, band of all time. I said, all right, twist my arm. Fine, fine. I'll play the song that literally everybody in America loves. Yes. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <this> one- <laughs> everybody in America. Find me a person that doesn't like this song. So I was just going to ask you, what is the most universally, we'll stay in the United States of America, most beloved, universally beloved song in America? This might be it. This is definitely on the short list. This one like as much as I, it pains me to say, like "Sweet Caroline" is on the list. Uh huh. You know what? What song? This like, is on the list. This is on the list. In the Stone, I think is the best Earth, Wind, and Fire song of all time. But one song that I think rings true to everyone, "Never Too Much," from mm-hmm. Luther Vandross. Mm-hmm. You could play that in any mm-hmm. wedding of any person. If you were part, you've been part of America mm-hmm. for the past thirty years. And you heard that song, everybody would jam. I've got it for you, though. All right, what's up? I know the most universally loved song in America. What's that? Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes. The only thing I'll say about Bohemian Rhapsody, like, everybody loves that song. But Bohemian Rhapsody isn't a swing jam. Like, like you play September and everybody's everybody on the dance floor. Yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody, everyone sits back and says, man, that's one of the best songs ever written. Mama mia! Right, right. Like that's the thing. Like it's it is one of the best songs ever made. But like what Earth, Wind, and Fire does with no, this, uh, with, you're, you're absolutely right. Right, and that that's my only that's my only thing against Bohemian because it's I, I love Bohemian Rhapsody. I love Queen. Like they're one of my favorite bands of all time. But aha, the souls are singing. I'm trying to think, most universally loved songs. Like, dude, Billy Jean would be high on this list. Billy Jean would, oh, would be right up there. Be high on this oh, list. Oh, rock with you. High I mean, you you, you could just put first of all all Michael Jackson songs. Yeah, just you could put a lot. Slap of- them up there. <laughs> they on the list. Michael Jackson just pow just okay, his whole like, discography. Like, like, there's a few Rolling Stone songs that would be on that list too. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. For sure. Um, you put it in 1999 from Prince. Mm-hmm. Purple Rain from Prince. Mm-hmm. Pur- pur- oh, you know man. what's another universally loved song? It's not one to dance to. It's right, not, what's that? But everybody, when it comes on, they have a reaction. Uh-huh. Smells like Teen Spirit uh-huh. is one of those by Nirvana. I think yeah. Hypn- I think yeah. Hypnotize by Biggie is one of those songs. Dog. Everybody has a reaction to it every time it gets played. I have I have a play. I have a, every, uh, every, almost every playlist has Hypnotize on it in my car. Although I will say also, a surprising, my girlfriend pointed this out to me, a surprising Surprising Pittsburgh Jam. Okay. Return of the Mac. Yes. Like, like, and, and so, I love that song. and so, but here's the crazy thing about that is that we've experienced this. If not, not every Pittsburgher is gonna is gonna agree with this. But she showed me. She's like, I've noticed whenever I, because she likes to go to, go to places and she'll take over the jukebox. And Mike Brzezuda oh, knows th- knows would, this about. We would get along. Right, right. And Mike Brzezuda hates me because every time I'm on the jukebox at when I was at Sharkies mm-hmm. for training camp, mm-hmm. I would put on Hypnotize and he'd be like, Oh, where's Carter? He would he would hate my guts. Watch this hip hop, right, right. on the jukebox. I would cancel like I would take off like his it's- Bruce Springsteen would be going, and then all of a sudden <laughs> cut off for Biggie, and he's like, Who's this? Who? Oh, it's a 
No, I know that was Carter. I know it was Carter. For, but, for those who have never been to Sharky's, just to paint a quick picture. Yes. You know the scene in Talladega Nights? Yes. Where uh, what Jean Girard mm-hmm. comes in and he plays mm-hmm. the jazz. Yeah, and, yeah. And they're like, what's this? Why is this what's on the this? jukebox? Right. Like, yeah. you know, where's Leonard Skinner? That's what it's like. My, That's what it's like when Chris it, comes in at Sharky's. Imagine Pursuit's accent, because it's, it's not that. It's not the Talladega Nights accent, but that's that's the that's the vibe that I do, and I do it to mess with him because it's so Dale, funny every Dale time. Too, uh, it, oh, and because I get Dale with it too, and Dale just looks at me like I hate you. And guts. you know what's funny is they're coming up after us. Yeah, so about this, this, is, this is funny. They talk about this same stuff all the time. But with, with Return of the Mac, my girlfriend pointed this out. She said everywhere I go, I play this, and I look around. And most people in yep. the bar, or the room, they start bobbing their heads because they notice Jim. Mm-hmm. And then she noticed, like, like hot she, in here by Nelly's another one. Hot, like that. Uh, well, especially with our generation, you put it that, on. And, but even with, still, like, you put that. My mom's in her fifty. My mom's no. My mom's sixty now. But so, sorry, mom's mom. also sorry, hip. sorry. Yeah, I just, you just out. Sorry, just, just outed out her. Age good, there. good job. My good mom's job, my mom's sixty now. My mom, if she's sitting in a restaurant and hot in here comes on, my mom will even little little head nod. You know. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, just all right, Nelly from that whole. Are there okay. any that we're forgetting? Most universal. All right, tweet us if you got any most universally. What's the loved most songs? universally loved songs ever? Like, like the greatest. What's the greatest songs of all time? Like, well, like, see, like, greatest and most universally loved is different. That's true. That's true. Because uh, like Bohemian is Bohemian. But see, Bohemian Rhapsody is loved. It's just that I wouldn't play. Like I wouldn't put it on. It's my a different kind and, of greatest songs. Right. Like, like I think "Wish You Were Here" by Pink Floyd is one of the greatest songs ever. Right. But I'm not playing that at a party. Why? Exactly. So everyone can sit around and cry. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> like this is so good, but it's so sad. Like you know, like like I wouldn't play. Like okay, some of the greatest movies of all time are also, are some of the most painful movies of all time. But you wouldn't Perfect. turn put that on. Like if you got a group of people anything. over, you're not gonna like you know throw on Schindler's List, even though right. it's 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 one of the I think best movies. Oh, it absolutely is. I'm with you on that. 100%. All right, I didn't say this before we went to break, right? So you now got like five minutes here to get those tweets in or forever hold your peace for the next 21 hours. Yep, never get to say again. Tell Chris and I what the most uh, universally loved, most universally popular songs Mm -hmm. of all time are, uh, besides Country Roads, obviously. Who cares about that? You got to put Stevie Wonder on the list too, by the way. Yeah, there's there's a couple Stevie songs that would be on there for sure. Uh, Superstition, My Sharia Moore. As is my favorite Stevie Wonder song of all time. Signed, sealed, delivered. It's a great one. We were playing uh, uh, the wow, keep on turning. Uh, higher ground. There, higher ground. I, I just took yeah. me a second to get that, there. We you, that that's what I'm saying. We played it earlier. Hour, that yep. would be a. I think yep. Stevie's got to be on the list like five Super, or six. I times. mean, superstition is just an incredibly universally I mean, you just, loved you just, song. You just, you just play that drums. That drum yeah. solo. Sir, Sir Duke. Sir Duke is all oh my. Sir Duke's. Oh man. Isn't Duke's, she lovely? Is a universally that, and that, that's one that has to get played I'll, at every wedding. You'll like this. Um, I've said this before to Moats. I've said this before on the show. Um, but you know what? I'll say it again. Um, my dad, right? My dad's a violinist in the symphony. Music is my dad's yes. life. Yes. So my dad doesn't listen to music a lot in the car. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because okay. he's, he, he has rehearsals every day. He's got concerts every week. It's, it's kind of like, I don't know, maybe you're, you're like this. But when I get in the car and I leave here, I don't mm-hmm. turn on sports talk. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, you, I, don't, you, don't, you don't jump to your own thing. Yeah. I make my phone calls. I listen to music. I just I spent the whole day doing sports talk. I don't want to get in the car. I need a reprieve. And, and, exactly. So my dad doesn't often listen to music in the car, but when he does, three bands slash artists that, that my father really, truly enjoys listening to. Who they? The Police, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Oh, oh, okay. The, <laughs> the nah, band. Not, not like, I was, I was, yeah, I was like, he listens to Police Scanners? Like, that's right. I'm right. <laughs> so, no. so, okay, The Police. You know, like Sting, like yeah. Every Breath You Take. Yeah, yeah. Message, uh, in, a message bottle. in a Bottle. That's my jam. Roxy. <laughs> uh, the Police. Stevie Ray Vaughan yeah. and Stevie Wonder. 
You yeah, put yeah. any of those three on in the car, and my father, my father is in. Yeah, man. Uh, Mav says piano man. Oh, okay, yeah. Bring me his. That's and that, a, that's how oh. every bar has to. That, that's your closing down the bar song. Oh. It's Friday. He also says Fire and Rain by James Taylor. That is a universally mm-hmm. loved song, too, yep. on, the, sa- on yep. the sad side of things. But yeah. definitely good calls there by Mav. Here's the tweet that I was teasing in the first segment. What's that? From Brandon. What's up, That Brandon? I wanted to wait for the end here. What you need? He asked a simple question. Eagles Hotel California here from Freeman Burgess, by the way. Good one. Mm-hmm. How about American Pie? Um, that's a classic one, mm-hmm. yeah. Brendan asks, Minios or Fioris? <laughs> it's, it's, it's almost like he's been waiting he, he for Chris. He just wants to start the he's war. Been, he's been waiting for Chris to join. All, this is like Chris's most passionate take. Listen, I mean, forget football. This listen, is what he's most passionate uh, about. You, know, yeah, you guys talk to me about the X's and O's, and I'm telling you that it's Minios all the way. Are you kidding me with the cheese that they got? The, the, and just the thick cheese that they have. Come on, man. It's just it's hands down the best thing that, that that you got in Pittsburgh pizza. You know, you go to Squirrel Hill, you pick it up the you know the original place. I, it's just it's so tight. I used to go there all the time. You know, after a game, before a game. You know, just just after after school when I went to Alderdice, the Taylor Alderdice, Taylor Gang, all that jazz. Rest in peace, Mac Miller. Um, Rest in peace, Taylor Alderdice. Right? Is what? It, I thought it changed. Didn't it change its name as a school? No. Oh, okay. My what? fault. I was about to fight you, dog. Know. Like, oh, the quote is table just, right I, now. I thought, a few, I thought a few years ago Taylor Alderdice changed his name. I, no, uh, I, I'm Peabody wrong. changed his name okay, a while back. Maybe that's what I was thinking. Yeah, well, I mean, the city league is changing all the time, and it's unfortunate because that's a that's a great history of schools that's, there. That's what I mean. Right? Yeah. yeah. No, no. So, no, not your fault, but you scared the, the crap out of me because I was like, <laughs> no. no I'm, I'm glad to know that because um, there's a lot of Pittsburgh history that's oh, come out of Taylor Alderdice. Yeah, I mean, you know, yes, for, forget the musicians. I'm talking about Chris Carter. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Right here, man. Right here, baby. I wrote the X Files. I played. And Will Clark, you know, Will Clark, one of my Will, favorite, no, no, actually, of my favorite I played, former Mountaineers. I played with Will Clark. He's actually that dude was way too tall. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. Block. He's probably pretty good at basketball too. I oh, he imagine. was. A, he was one of their basketball stars. Like six six. Yeah, six, he, seven. He, was, he was. He was. Dude, he was like six five as, as a freshman. Like there was one time I had to like I was blocking him and like he was he was coming at, in and, like he did like a stunt blitz and he came inside. I was blocking his stomach. Now I did him pretty good. I, I, I caught him good and I, I kind of knocked the wind out of him and it was an accident. And he was a freshman, so I, I wasn't like chastised for it but at the same time like he had these such long arms like he could he could get his hand inside of me and then like he'd have his whole body like not in range of me to grab or push <laughs> or anything that's how good will clark was how big he was and uh, i'm glad he recently signed with the lions i believe so um yes. so I- i'm really proud of that guy uh he keeps chugging along he was doing really well in the xfl when they when they mm-hmm. closed down uh, give that brother more of a shot Heck y'all yeah. uh, and, uh, and and check out more will clark but point being many us Minios. 100%. I mean, I love both. Don't get me wrong, but I would go Minios if but I Minios, had to pick one. But 100%. So, you know, this is kind of like tired to me. Minios or Fiori's. Yeah. What's wired to me? What's wired is what's number three? Because I think most people agree those are one and two. You might put them mm. in a different. You might argue about the order. But what's number three? That's the real conversation. That's a real good. Because we spend a lot of time talking about one and two. That's, but dude, what's I, I'm number the, three? That's like that's like I've been on the front lines fighting like World War Three, and then you bring me back and you ask me, "Hey, man!" Like I, I ask you, like, yeah, like I'm, I'm, now I'm supposed to fight some little skirmish, and it's like, you're like, dog, like I can't even think about that answer. Well, how do you feel about the Cold War, Shay? Right, right, exactly. Like I can't even think about like like that battle. Who I've got, two, I've got two for you. All right, Ironborn Pizza in Millville. Okay, love it. And Adrian's Pizza in Wexford. Adrian. Now I know that's outside of the city, but still technically in Allegheny County. There. Yeah. Those those are, those are mine as well. Shout out Adrian's Pizza. Love that place. Oh man, I I like slice a lot. Okay. Um, 
I've heard good things. Never been, but heard good things. You a slice on Broadway guy? Yeah, I am. I I do like slice on Broadway. Uh, Benny Fierro's in Southside mm. with those big. You know who, slices. You know who's really who's really good pizza too, and they treat us well in this building. So I want to make sure I give them a shout out. Who that? Yeah, you had Caliente pizza yet? I have. I do like Caliente. Caliente pizza. Caliente, Caliente yeah. pizza is good stuff. I just I live I live in uh, Homewood, so you know I'm, I have a uh, interesting uh, pick. You know, yeah. selections yeah. there. They Caliente uh, during Steelers season brings us pizzas here on Sundays for Steelers games, um, and they sh- do a very fine sh- job. I, I got to shout out a place that always gets me good food, Salvatore's, uh, in Wilkinsburg. Nice. They've got really good pies. Um, there's so, there's so many nights though that like, I'm driving home and it's 11 because I've just gotten off. Like like you know how many times like you 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 got off a game and like there's and like there's nothing open right now because you just left except the stadium for the, except for the pizza shop except baby for the pizza shop and the closest place to my place is Domino's so I have. I have learned how to how to make Domino's work for me. Mm-hmm. I get that personal pan pizza, and I'm not saying Domino's is anywhere near best pizza in Pittsburgh. It is it is, it is one of the lowest. Of the no, low. but I'm with you in terms of chain pizza. Right, it's I don't I, mind Domino's. I, I enjoy Domino's yeah. when it's when it's an emergency and I need to get and something cheap in me. And, and it's yeah. che- exactly, yeah. and it's like it's like eight bucks for a for a personal pan. Everybody in their neighborhood needs a good pizza spot and a good place to grab a yep. cold beverage. That is for sure. That'll do it for the show today. Mr. Carter, it was fun as always. Same here, buddy. Let's do it again tomorrow. Three o'clock work for you? Yup. Three o'clock. We, let's, let's do noon. No, no. We, three o'clock. We'll be right here. <laughs> so we'll talk the ends then. Uh, three o'clock. As always, that's the time, and you know where to find us. On your 24-7 home of the black and gold, Steelers Nation Radio.